Welcome in, everyone, to Football Addicts Anonymous Podcast. It's great times. It's a Monday. Uh, had my first law final today, law school final, so interesting, to say the least. It's like no other experience you'll ever have, so it's cool. We're all kind of drained right now, but it's fine. We're here. Living life. Get to talk football for two hours, so that's cool. No. No, no, no. No, no. That's the difference, my friend. Uh, the other two tests I have are, are going to... One's all multiple choice, but it's 100 questions, and the other one is uh, some multiple choice. Mostly multiple choice, but there's two essay questions on the other one. So, Anyways... We had uh, a good weekend, relatively speaking, anyways. Uh, so, I, I was almost, it was almost a really good weekend. I, I almost hit on almost every team in the FBS Conference Championships one that I picked. There was just a couple that didn't, which, you know me, the ones that didn't, you know, lost the money, so. Starting off on Friday night, again, I didn't get to watch either, well, actually, no, that's not right. I got to watch the first quarter of this game, and that was it. And I wish I would have been able to watch the whole game because it was spectacular. I was Listening to the Pac-12 championship, but I was following this game uh, as I would get updates on the top of my phone. And um, you can't tell me that there is anyone more better competitor than Bailey Zappi, man. I mean, he did everything he possibly could to win this game and to come back. I think they were down 28 at one point. Um, and I was like, when it, when it got to that, I was like, there's, yeah, this game's over. There was absolutely no chance. Um, they were down in the third quarter. They were down 29 points, 42 to 13. They were down. Western Kentucky scored, um... 21 unanswered to get it to one score, 42-34. And then the one score that they they couldn't have, uh, you know, they let up with 6-18 to go. And then, again, they, he got them within another score again, but um, just couldn't get the ball back. And that was the difference. Actually, no, they did get the ball back. My, my bad. They did get the ball back, uh, but they couldn't drive it the length of the field. Um, they had to go. They had to go seventy-eight yards, and they only got to the UTSA forty-seven um, with seven seconds left. So the game lived up to its hype, or I said that wrong, but lived up to the hype. Sorry, and it was all the people that we talked about all season, whether that's Bailey Zappi. Or sincere McCormick, uh, UTSA's quarterback. He did everything 
And the one thing he did great was not turn it over. And let's say he has one turnover. That could be the difference in Western Kentucky winning this ball game. But 577 yards <laughs> is just awesome. You know, last season of the game in a championship. And then McCormick, 204 yards. That's, that's 5.7 with three touchdowns. I mean, can you ask any more from the two stars <laughs> yeah, in this it- game? It, it was definitely a contrasting styles of offense in this game with the pass-happy spread offense of Leicester, Kentucky and the run-dominant UTSA squad. Um, you can see that 577 pass yards for Western Kentucky. Uh, they actually had negative nine rushing yards because the stupid NCAA rule where sacks count as rushing yards. So stupid. Um, but, yeah, negative nine rushing yards. That's why uh, their leading rusher was Noah Whittington with 15, but UTSA sacked Bailey Zappi uh, three times. So, you know, with all the other players, negative rushing yards plus the sacks. Negative nine total. Um, and UTSA, they ran for 304 yards. So... Definitely different difference in styles here. 200-yard receivers there. Um, Jareth Stearns, who was a came over with Bailey Zappian, a couple other guys, along with the head coach for Western Kentucky um, from Houston Baptist last season. 10 receptions, 179, two touchdowns, and a fumble. That was a big thing, like you said. Three to nothing were the turnovers. For Western Kentucky, uh, really killed him. Uh, Stern's fumble, I remember, was in UTSA territory, like inside the thirty-five. Uh, so, do we know? Do you know how tall these two wide receivers are? Uh, Stern's, I know, is big. He is. Oh, never mind. I thought he was big. Never mind. Five nine, one ninety-five for Jared Stern's. Wow. And uh, Mitchell Tinsley, 6'1", 205, so not terribly big. Uh, but yeah, Tinsley, 9 for 173 and two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, it was just tough. I, I you know, rode Bailey Zappi the entire way. They, they were on a, was it, seven-game win streak coming into this game. And uh, tough way to lose, but it's all right. They'll, they'll win in their bowl game. They're going up against Appalachian State in their bowl game in the uh, Boca Raton Bowl. So that's coming up soon, actually, December 18th, one of the first days, the second day, I believe, of, of bowl season. I think the first day is the 17th. Um, and for UTSA... They're up against number 24, San Diego State, in the Frisco Bowl. There's two Frisco Bowls this year. I don't know if you looked at the bowl schedule, Mark. There's there's a there's a Frisco Bowl, and then there's a Frisco Bowl Classic or something like that. Frisco Football Classic, which was the added, the extra bowl that they added in, I, I believe, um, because of Hawaii. It was Hawaii's fault that they had to add an extra bowl game uh, for this year 
because <laughs> Hawaii plays 13 games every year, and their 13th game was the game that got Hawaii Bowl eligible, so they automatically go to that Hawaii Bowl, and then they had to add an extra one for some other 6-6 six and six teams to get into. <laughs> so. Uh, let's see. Defensively, Clarence Hicks, UTSA, four tackles, three solos, two sacks, two tackles lost, two QB hits. Always on here. Every time we got UTSA. UTSA plus three over seventy four and a half. Told you the over would hit. <laughs> All right, other game on Friday, Pac twelve championship number seventeen Utah boat racing number ten Oregon once again. For the for the third two, second week and second time in three weeks, Utah just railing Oregon, and uh, I guess I mean, Anthony Brown. Ten, that's a good word for it. It just thirty-eight <laughs> to ten. Yeah, I guess Anthony Brown uh, isn't the answer or wasn't the answer all season. You know, you can see it. I mean, two out of the three losses. Their only other loss was the Stanford. And you you think about what could have been for Utah, you know, their three losses against nine-point loss to BYU, two-point loss in triple overtime against San Diego State, and then a uh, eight-point loss to Oregon State. Those three losses, you know, within ten points. Utah might have been looking at a playoff berth with a even if they even if they only lose one of those, you know they're a one loss Pac-12 champion and crushing Oregon twice after Oregon's top ten, top five, and then a top ten. It, it would make the Pac-12 a different discussion. Yeah, it's just you, you know you can't can't lose more than one game early in the season. Can't do it. Um, but yeah, Cameron Rising, nice night. I don't think it was necessarily him, though. I think it was a lot of the Utah defense. Utah defense was outstanding. Devin Lloyd, I mean, 34-yard pick six. That kid's a first-round pick. So, yeah, not, nothing, uh, no stats really. Two are outstanding in this one. It's just, you know, Anthony Brown turned the ball over two times again. Cameron Rising had two picks of his own, but it didn't matter because the defense was so good. And the running game for Utah um, was decent once again. So, and yeah, Devin Lloyd is my defensive player of the game. So. Utah. Huh? Yeah. That sums it up. Sorry. Utah. They are heading to the Rose Bowl to play number six, Ohio State. And uh, Oregon, they are now heading to the Alamo Bowl to play number 16, Oklahoma. New head coaches for both those schools, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but <laughs> just foreshadowing in case you didn't know. Uh, Utah covered minus three under 57 and a half hit. Which I would have won again, you know, classic one leg loss parlay king here. Um, 
I would have won my Friday night parlay again based off uh, the Hermo Maps because, but uh, Western Kentucky couldn't come back. Uh, that was the we had we had Utah money line. We had uh, the under fifty seven and a half. We had Western Kentucky money line, and Western Kentucky let us down. So, all right, Saturday. Big 12 championship, number nine, Baylor, upsetting number five, Oklahoma State, 21-16. to 16. What a game. I, I mean, the comeback, first off, the, the Oklahoma State defense to allow no points in the second half was great. Um, but it fell two inches short, and... That's that's probably the only talking point of this game because it was such a great ending. When I say great, I don't want anyone to, to fall short. You know, I'm not cheering for a kid to fall short, but everybody's laying their, their heart on the line. You're diving for a touchdown. I think personally he could have took a few, few more steps and would have been in the end zone if he would have took one or two more steps then dove. I thought he dove a little bit early. And it was just a good game, and to me, this opened up the door for chaos. And that depended on other teams, like Iowa to perform, which we'll talk about, or Georgia, and they didn't. But the game comes down to one headline, and it's at the top of these stats. Mm-hmm. You can't throw four interceptions. And I'm not dogging the kid. I'm not, I'm not saying it's all on him because the, the team was still there, right? It was still in striking distance, which to me – shows what Gundy did all season. I mean, he coached this to almost to a win, and his quarterback threw four interceptions. Yeah, I would say you can throw four interceptions when you have a, a top-five defense in the nation, and uh, they had already done it the first time against Baylor when he threw three interceptions the first game against them, and they won. Um, but... Yeah, I I didn't like the last play. I didn't like the goal line sequence. The first first and second down, I agreed. They had like a minute and a half. I agreed, run it twice. Run the clock off if you don't get in from the one-yard line. (coughs) I didn't see the third down play. Uh, So I don't... I'd have to look at the play-by-play to see what even happened on the third down play. Oh, I, incomplete pass. So I agree with that yeah. call as well. Throw it on third down. But again, uh, running on fourth down is risky. And running, I, I didn't like what the kid did either. Um, I'm not on your side of taking exercise. I thought that, young man, you're a running back. Put your head down and go. I don't like unless you're a friggin' track athlete, then then run to the corner because you know you can get there. But you're against a linebacker and that's probably equal speed. And I just you have to get three feet. Put your shoulder down and, and go. Because more likely than not, if you put your shoulder down it's going to be very hard physically on the linebacker to not to keep you out 
I mean, it's physics. Well, you you you, you have the moment, you have the momentum when they need you, unless the guy's just way bigger than you. That makes so you have the momentum coming towards the goal line, and so you're automatically going to the game. You know an inch, two inches, a foot. And so, like, I, I agree with what you're saying. Instead of taking it, going out to the pylon, mm-hmm. uh, bring it into the inside a little bit more and put your shoulder down and get to that goal line. And even if he stops you, then it's time to reach with the ball. Uh, or, I don't really remember what the pursuit looked like if there was an opportunity to spin back inside. Oh, yeah, yeah, he had plenty of room. So that would have been another option, but I'm not made his choice. I'm not in that. They lost. I'm not in that bowl. I'm not in the bowl game, and I wasn't handed the football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to live with the the consequences of your actions, and his his actions made him lose the game. So, but again, it's kind of demoralizing when you can't score from the one yard line on four tries. And I also would have liked to see Spencer Sanders' legs because I thought that was a difference in the second half that, that because they weren't able to run the ball all day pretty much. And him running the ball, I thought, opened a lot of stuff up. So maybe QB sweep or QB power or something like that. But no Jalen Warren. Your cousin didn't play in this game, which I told you on Saturday I – wholeheartedly disagreed with they said he wasn't 100 percent, but again when you look at they couldn't run the ball at all in 80 percent jalen warren you, you can't tell me that in, even at 80 percent he wouldn't have been better than the the two backs that were running the ball i agree so just another thing i i disagreed with on oklahoma state's part but you got to give it to Baylor. Dave Aranda, his defense holding Oklahoma State to field goals early uh, was another difference in the game. They weren't scoring touchdowns, especially um, on the turnovers that they got. They got uh, two two fumbles did Oklahoma State on defense, and they didn't turn them into touchdowns. So, a couple of the picks on Spencer Sanders wasn't his fault either. Got to say that. Uh, I believe two of them were tips. So, uh, let's see. Defensively, there's a lot of stats here. Defensively, a lot of QB hits and whatnot. Tax loss sacks. I am going to go with Baylor though. The most tackles with the most special stats. Seven tackles, six solos. Jalen Petrie, the safety, two tackles lost, two pass deflections. Um, also, Blake Shapin in uh, place of Jerry Bohannon. Started the game off 17 of 17. <laughs> But they weren't throwing it downfield. But it was a good game for the freshman there. Uh, Baylor, plus 7, under 45. The MAC champion, Rusty's Huskies, lives on in Twitter lore. Uh, 
Northern Illinois crushing Kent State 41 to 23 at Ford Field. Um, yeah, they didn't ask Rocky Lombardi to do much. He did. He ran for three touchdowns, one a one yarder, and his other two were five yard touchdown runs on just beautiful handwork in the backfield. I mean, both of his five yard touchdown runs were wide open. <laughs> no one went with the quarterback uh, after he faked it inside. And it was the same play both times. And it worked to perfection. Um, but they did exactly what they set out to do. Um, I forget the guy's last name, but their their head coach, Thomas, Thomas something. I don't remember his last name. Um, former running back at NIU. But yeah, I, they did exactly what they wanted to. Ran the ball all day. Domination uh, with the time of possession. It was, they ran for 266 yards, uh, 4.4 per carry. And time of possession was 40 to 20. Double. 40 minutes on offense. So... Yeah, and win ball games doing that. Jay Ducker, twenty nine carries, one hundred and forty six yards. Um, you know, Rakovich scored touchdown. Oh. I love that kid, Clint Rakovich. He's a beast, man. <laughs> he's, he's something else. And uh, the defense got turnovers too. That was a big, uh, a key for the NIU Huskies as well. Uh, Dante Cephas for. The Golden Flash is there. Seven receptions, 102 yards. Most of Crumb's passing yards there. And defensively, I mean, how can you go with anyone other than safety C.J. Brown for NIU? Six, exactly uh, ten, what I was looking at. Ten tackles, six of them solo, a sack, one-and-a-half tax loss, pass flexion, and a 26-yard pick six, which was massive. I, that was That was the... Not the game sealer, but it was it got him up twenty four to set to three at that point in the third quarter, and um, Kent State did go then and score a touchdown, made it fourteen point game. But then it was two straight touchdowns. Oh, I was wrong. I thought Rocky had two five yard touchdowns. He had touchdowns of one, two, and five yards. Northern Illinois, though, plus three and a half, under 75 and a half. Uh, yeah. I was very happy Rusty's Huskies lived on. <laughs> and uh, forgot to say this for the Big 12 title game. Um, Baylor heading to the Sugar Bowl to play number eight Ole Miss. Oklahoma State, they are heading to the Fiesta Bowl to play number five Notre Dame. Both massive games, obviously New Year's six for both of those teams. Big, big money for the Big Twelve, right? I think I think it'll be fun. I think both of those games will be fun. And for this game, Kent State heading to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl against Wyoming. NIU, they're heading to the Cure Bowl versus Coastal Carolina. Big, tough test against Coastal, man. Uh. I don't know who I gotta figure out who I'm gonna pick in that game. I might have to, I I might have to stick with Rusty's Huskies, man. 
I like Rusty's Huskies. Uh, all right, Mountain West Championship, and uh, before we start our breakdown of this game, we're we're gonna play a clip for y'all. Um, a clip that came back on November fifteenth, our Monday show that day, and we're gonna share it here, I guess. Share the screen. So here we go. Good I think that's because good in no way should San Diego State be nine and one right now. Their quarterback is terrible. I don't care if he won this game. He won it because Greg Bell ran for a hundred yards. Um and he made enough throws and didn't turn the ball over. But I mean, if well, you look at their games, uh, they beat New Mexico State by eighteen points. You know, they their best game, their best win is Utah, which they won in triple overtime. Uh, you know, they uh, had a double overtime to beat San Diego State. Who, who, which we'll get to next, who just got destroyed by Utah State <laughs> this weekend? Did San Jose State. They beat Air Force by six, Hawaii by seven, and now they win this one by two. It's, and there's one there's one factor in every game, and I agree with you. Your your quarterback play has to get to the level of you winning ball games. But Cameron Thomas, ten tackles, five solo, two sacks, three and a half tackles for a loss at a quarterback hurry is going to make whoever they play a bad day in the backfield. But I do agree with you that I think Utah State will get to that the next game as somebody that can beat them. Even though Carson Strong is good, but what do you not see on Nevada's side? Not a good running game. Also, what killed Nevada? They didn't have their best receiving threat. Now, Romeo Dobbs is fantastic. I love Romeo Dobbs. Cole Turner didn't play in this game. They're tight end. They're six, six tight end. And I think they really missed him in the red zone. They even tried to throw one up. They they bring in their backup quarterback. Uh, Both of us are agreeing to throw a fade to because he's six nine. Their backup quarterback is, <laughs> so, and they didn't get that one. But they did get a touchdown then to uh, Dobbs at the end. But yeah, I was disappointed though. I stayed up late to watch the game, and uh, yeah. yeah, like I said, Dobbs nine for one twenty seven, two touchdowns, and. Yeah, Mark got it. Cameron Thomas, number 99, unblockable all night. Nevada did cover, though, plus two and a half, and uh, under 45 by one. That that late field goal by San Diego State hurt a lot of people and made a lot of people happy at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whichever side you were on the spread and whichever side you were, uh, well, it didn't matter for the over-under because uh, – Nevada didn't get a chance to kick the game winner, but yeah. So like I said, uh, my bad. I didn't run that back far enough. They turned it over a little bit. I thought I had it here because it crushes my dreams of Nevada winning the Mountain West. Here it is. Uh, like my pre preseason prediction was. 
And I I really thought they had the game. They got – Carson Strong got the ball back down two. Minute plus, no timeouts. I was like, bro, there's no chance. No chance they stopped Carson Strong. Then they got to like midfieldish and they couldn't get past that. And it wasn't his issue. I mean, what do you want? 350 and three touchdowns. He did have a game. He did have himself a game. And I think the biggest thing was is that Lucas Johnson didn't turn the ball over. This was the first game where you saw a quarterback outplay another quarterback in a losing effort. Everything we've talked about up to this point has been, well, maybe they should have ran with their legs a little bit or they turned it over a little bit or this or that. Carson Strong, that's why I picked Nevada. (laughs) And we've been talking about the quarterback play. And the one game that I differentiated on my defense is going to win this game. I'm just saying this. I don't care who it is, and it's most likely going to be Utah State against San Diego State in the conference championship. Utah State is going to roll San Diego State. I actually (laughs) – and that's that's what I was trying to get out of that clip, man. Uh, I tried to tell y'all a couple weeks back that that this was coming. That Utah State would not take it from all the stuff that San Diego State had. Oh, they're ranked. Oh, they got a better record. Oh, they beat some better teams. They beat the team that rolled us by 24, Boise State. It didn't matter. I told y'all a couple weeks ago this was going to happen. And what happened? Utah State rolled number 19 San Diego State 46-13 to in the Mountain West Championship game. And I was so excited because we talked about it on Friday. Logan Bonner just crushed the San Diego State defense. 318, four touchdowns and a pick. 69% completion. I wasn't able to text my picks Friday because I was, man, I was swamped. I didn't get up until 4.45, 5 o'clock. But you heard on that same clip, I said the same thing. I said the same thing. So I should get .5 or at least a win since you picked for me. Well, I gave you NFL picks already. Come on. I gave you two Um, wins in the NFL. Well, I'm glad. I love that you play that. But I was was drinking that Kool-Aid as well. Um, What I find funny, though, in that clip, is they did, when you think about it, San Diego State did beat some decent teams. Air Force is no walkover, not just because I may be working for the Air Force soon and I need to say that, but they're no walkover in football, right? They did beat a Utah team that is, that just won the Pac-12 championship. But you and I were talking over the weekend, Logan Bonner was the difference. And that's the quarterback play we were talking about in that clip. And I was I was mad uh, at the bar, you know, they have it's a sports bar and they have this massive wall where it's just a big screen and they have six screens, three on each side of the big screen and they weren't I didn't understand or maybe their TVs just didn't work this way but they had the Georgia game on the big screen because you know we were there for our our UGA alumni chapter watch party so they put the Georgia game on the big screen and then on. Two of the other screens, they had the American Championship, Cincinnati-Houston, and then two of the other screens, they had the Sun Belt, Louisiana-Appalachian State. 
But then they had two of the screens that were playing the Georgia game too, and I was like, "Why you got to put the Georgia game on the big one and the little, the two little ones?" Mm. I was like, "It didn't make any sense to me." I thought you would want as many games on as you could, but nowhere in that bar did I see the Mountain West Championship being played on TV. So I was disappointed I didn't get to watch this game, but I was following it on my phone and uh, very happy for Utah State and uh, head coach Blake Anderson. No scoring in the first quarter, which was weird. But then Utah State outscored them 14 to three in the second, 15 to three in the third, and 17 to seven in the fourth. So double digits each quarter. That's how you win. And uh, both quarterbacks for your San Diego State weren't good. Um, Lucas Johnson was injured for this game. That's why he didn't play after they benched Brookshire. Um, I guess. The freshman actually wasn't too bad. Five or six or 50 yards and a touchdown at the end. But uh, really good for Utah State's defense. They held Greg Bell to 50 yards. Granted, it's a good average, four and a half yards per carry, but um, 50 yards is is a decent amount to, to hold Greg Bell to. Also made him cough the ball up one time, so that was good to see. And then, like we said, the receivers, I mean, Brandon – Bowling, 8 for 154 and two touchdowns. Um, Jesse Matthews actually had a nice day for San Diego State as well, 8 for 82 and a touchdown. But the defense, man, look how many Utah State Aggies are on that list. There's only one San Diego State Aztec. They were (laughs) hitting. They were hitting Brookshire and hitting him, sacking him. Five sacks. Eight tackles for loss, seven QB hurries, and six pass deflections for the Utah State defense. Um, and San Diego State's uh, defense only got two sacks. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I yeah, thought San, you were done. Yeah, San Diego State's defense only got two sacks and three QB hurries. So. When you said rolled them, I mean, that's what you're talking about. The defense just annihilated the quarterback play. But what I found funny, I know it's only five for six, but he also had four for 36. And we we've, we might preview a game where maybe someone should have turned to a backup. I don't know. We might have went to school there. Is that just a, a cosmic of a small sample size, or should should Maiden been playing a little bit more this season? Garbage time. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's my question because I only watched it – for, for a tiny bit and switch it off. That's what I think it was, anyways. Um, but, yeah, defensively, I don't even know. I'm going to go with Byron Vaughn's, I guess. Six tackles, two solos, one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, and a QB hurry. Uh, Utah State plus six and a half over 49 and a half. Utah State, they are heading to... Uh, the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl um, against Oregon State and San Diego State. They are playing UTSA, like we already said, in the Frisco Bowl. All right, Sun Belt Championship, number 24, Louisiana, 24-16 over Appalachian State. Great way for Billy Napier to go out to Florida. Uh, Levi Lewis. Again, neither quarterback, completion-wise, anyways, were good at all. Uh, But Lewis, 
I thought his yards were, were pretty good for only 15 completions, 210 and a touchdown. Also ran it 43 yards and a touchdown as well. Um, but, the, again, it was the running game, the running game for the Raging Cajuns, like it has been all year for them. That's, that's what their offense is predicated on, running the ball. Imani Bailey, 14 carries, 117 yards and a touchdown. Three receptions, 29 yards. So, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, <clears throat> I don't, I don't want to talk about this much. I watched it. To me, even though it says 24-16, I never felt like Louisiana was going to lose this game if you mm-hmm. watched it. So, yeah. to me, I don't, I, I'm not big onto the stats. However, I will talk about Napier leaving. I know Napier has been offered jobs, whether that's, you know, Auburn calling. I don't know. They offered him the full job the way they did Venables, and now Venables is – we'll talk about this later. But I saw a lot of uh, Georgia fans like, oh, this is a stupid hire, but I'm telling you, this guy can coach. The question will be, can he get recruits Mm -hmm. to – Especially for – against – who just went to Miami today. Um, yeah. Which we'll talk about as well. But, yeah, Thomas Hennigan, uh, you know, second to last game in his career, I believe, anyways. I, I don't think he's using his extra year or whatever. Six receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown. And I'm actually going – I mean, there's a lot of defensive stats again in this game as well. I'm going with App State, though. I, you can't not go with DeMarco Jackson for Appalachian State. 11 tackles. Four solos, a sack, three and a half tackles for Austin, four QB hurries. <laughs> I don't think it gets much better. Of course, Chris would go with Sean Jolly, though, because he had three pass deflections. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a winning effort, you still have, you know, Shauncey, uh, Manic, oh, yeah. six tackles, full, four solo, a sack, two and a half tackles for a loss, and two quarterback hurries. Uh, Jackson does does win with the tackles and the tackles for for loss, but it's a winning effort. He did his job. Yeah, Manic always on here for Louisiana games as well. Uh, let's see, Louisiana plus two and a half under fifty two. Louisiana or Appalachian State they are heading to play Western Kentucky in the Boca Raton Bowl, like we said. Louisiana, they are heading to the New Orleans Bowl to play Marshall. All right. SEC Championship number three, Bama uh, beating number one, Georgia 41-24 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And it is is Bryce Young. He won the Heisman with this game. 421, three touchdowns, three carries, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, uh... Where, where do you want to – what do you want to talk about? Where do you want to start? Um, this has a lot to do with coaching. This has a lot to do with um, you can't beat a team kicking field goals. So I'll, 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 I'll give you the backdrop. Georgia fan since uh, coaching against Todd Gurley in North Carolina, that's that's decade ago. But since moving to Athens, look back at every game that Georgia has played. We have – dominated the first few drives but the first drive and we always march on the field in the four losses in atlanta has never resulted in a touchdown so that scared me because we started with the field goal okay we finally got a touchdown whatever but it never felt like we were in control right 
And Bryce Young just, when we were sacking quarterbacks, whether that was Clemson, um, whether that's that's Florida, any team that we were playing, Bryce Young escaped. It reminded me of Tua or Jalen Hurts in those games and found a way. And when he was running the one play that just, I knew the game was over in my opinion. I looked at Charlotte and said, we can want, we can start watching a different game. He runs and he flips it. And she goes, can he do that? And I said, oh, absolutely. He's behind the ball. And for him to have that vision, because he's looking down at the defense, the safeties, he flips the ball to the guy. And and I think it was a, it was their, was a wide receiver on the outside. I don't think it was the running back. It wasn't a design option. He was scrambling. Mm-hmm. But to see that vision, I said, that is a Heisman moment in my mind. When when he wins and takes a stage on New York, that is when they're going to play that highlight. He scrambles. He's about to get hit, and he goes, boom, no look. That's that's a Heisman. And those are the things Kirby hasn't mastered. The two things that I've ever and you've harped on it. We called each other almost crying on Saturday. It, it's SSDD, same stuff, different day. Kirby has not mastered the quarterback position. And in the five years that he's been a coach, going on his fifth year, he's never had a wide receiver that has speed that gets drafted in the first round. Nick Saban does. He's got quarterbacks that get drafted. He's got wide receivers, and he's got a good enough defense to stop people. Is it really that hard to have the same blueprint? Yeah, it was weird, you know, that I I think Georgia was just up here. Again, it's, it's, well, it's, it's Alabama still, you know, it's, they got, they got timid, and the biggest stage that they have played on this year against the highest ranked team they've played. I don't know what the reason was, or I guess the secondary finally got, you know, exposed. But Bama did exactly what I knew they were going to do. It, it was an easy enough game plan against the Georgia defense. You throw it quick, you don't let the pass rush get to you. And you run it just enough to allow the play action to keep working. And um, like I said, they they did that offensively to perfection. And defensively, I don't know if they actually even did anything special. It was just they confused Stetson on a couple things. And, you know, the, the one interception wasn't his fault. It was a tip pass. but Look, well, okay. And the defensive player of the game, in my mind, isn't he, – he, he's on here, but he doesn't even have, like – you could probably go with, with, with Jordan Battle, right? Mm-hmm. But Will Anderson changed the whole dynamic of that game. And that's a linebacker that we have not seen, and I'm going to go on I, – I wish that, that Stephen A. or Skip Bayless or Desmond or our, our, our beloved brethren, David Pollock – the SEC East is trash. It is trash. Besides Georgia. Who does Georgia play each year? We played Arkansas when they were ranked. They are no longer in the top ten. Tennessee, not good right now. Florida, terrible this year. Kentucky, okay. One of the be- better teams in the SEC East. 
Kirby is getting by by stomping on the SEC East, and every time we play someone in the West, like a good LSU, a good Alabama, this happens. That doesn't mean that we can't win a championship, but he has to fix things and swallow his pride. His pride is we're 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 a hard nosed defensive team, and we got an identity this year. But you have no identity at your quarterback position. Who he needs to go out and get is beg David. Uh, Cutcliffe that got fired by Duke that is a quarterback whisperer to please come down here and be a quarterback's coach. Because even Stetson Bennett left Georgia and came back a better quarterback. Name one person that he has developed in the quarterback position. And you're not going to win since 1980, and you're probably losing to Michigan until you figure out your deep or your quarterback position. And that has nothing to do with Stetson Bennett as a person or his ability. Does that make sense? I'm not ragging mm-hmm. Stetson Bennett. I am ragging that I could care less about your number one effing recruiting classes until you bring me a Heisman quarterback. I don't care about your defense until you bring me a quarterback that can win us a championship. Yeah, I think, you know, we were we were saying, um, I know I was at the bar, man. I was yelling, it's, once we got down enough, you know, it's at some point when you're down 17 points, you got to try something, anything to to stay within shooting distance. And um, he just he kept rolling out 13, 18 stayed on the sidelines, coaching 13 up, and dude, he was coaching his butt off. That's what. Maybe he's afraid to get hit. Maybe that's the issue, right? We we there could be a discussion about that. I don't know. He's had a couple injuries, and our running game hasn't been spectacular this year. Look at our running game; it hasn't been spectacular. We've talked about that. It hasn't. Yeah, that was. It hasn't big. had a solidified runner. We've we've shared the ball, and no one's been the alpha dog in that room, right? And, and Bama often amplifies your issues, whether it's the quarterback or you, you thought you did something good, Nick Saban picks at it. Yeah, I think that was another – that was a big thing too. The, the, there, you, you didn't notice the, the running game. and um, Soft schedule. I'm just going to say it right now. No one agrees with me. <laughs> SEC East is trash. SEC East is trash. You heard it right now. Bring Oklahoma. We need another good team. Uh, yeah, that, that realignment will be interesting to see how they work that. But it's it's actually fine. I, I watched the college football playoff selection show on Sunday, yesterday morning, uh, into the afternoon, and watched the interview with Kirby. And I... I I was I happy. It. I was happy with what I heard. That that's what I'll say from his interview. Look, um, we're all we're, we're sports guys. We we have masters in sports management. We we've coached. We I don't want anyone else to coach our football team. So don't get that wrong. I've never ever said that. And I I love that he doesn't get too high or too low. I think he's serious. I think he has a game plan that are gonna that's gonna get us. For the championship, I think it'll be lackluster if Saban retires before he gets there. I would like for him to beat Saban, if that makes sense. 
before we leave, two things that win us a national championship going forward is we see JT under center. And you don't throw two times to George Pickens. You throw a lot more to George Pickens. And he's going to have a full month to get even more healthy, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right, you know. Um, Him opposite Bowers? Yeah, the, the Bowers thing. I, or, I still don't know how the kid isn't on the Mackey finalist list. Oh, I know. That, that, that's, that, that's crazy. Uh, the kid from Notre Dame reminds me of Gronk, and he reminds me of, exactly of, of Olsen. I mean, if, if you could compare either one of them. But, yeah. So, I, I do agree. I, I think this makes – I forget who said it on the selection show – I think it was Herb Street. I, I tend to agree with Herb Street on a lot of things because uh, he's kind of a down-to-earth guy. But um, I do agree. It. I like this position that it puts Georgia in, though. It. I think it does make them a more dangerous team, being that they are the underdogs now. You, you're gonna you're gonna be the lower seed, more than likely, in both games. Because the projected path is you beat Michigan and then you play Alabama again. So, you know. Michigan is not going to be a walk in the park, though. I will say, I will tell you that. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. I I didn't realize how many, we'll, we'll talk about them, how many ranked <laughs> teams they've beat this season. Yeah, I, I will say this. I do like the matchup. Uh, that's, I'm happy. Like and I there's said, some family ties to it. Like I said, I'm happy that we're not playing Cincinnati. I thought that was going to be a very tough game. Not that Michigan won't be, but I like the matchup. Jamison Williams, though, unstoppable. Seven receptions, 184 yards, two touchdowns. Brock Bowers already said 10 receptions, 139 yards, and a touchdown. This kid's a true freshman. True freshman, mind you. Mechie got hurt, torn ACL. He's done for the year. Six receptions, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and defensively, you already said it. I'm going with Jordan Battle because of the pick six. Six tackles, four solos, one QB hurry, and a 42-yard pick six. Um, Bama plus six, over 49. Over 49? Yeah. Wow. The American... Athletic Conference Championship number four Cincinnati solidifying a perfect season thirty five to twenty uh, over number twenty one Houston and I told you Mark I told you on Friday Desmond Ritter would not be the difference now he did score three touchdowns I will say that nice uh, decent completion percentage but I told you who it was going to be and it was Mister Jerome Ford. 18 carries, 187 yards, and two touchdowns. Had a long... Look, I don't don't know that I... uh, Okay, it's on video. Maybe I did say... I said the difference would be if Ritter had a hiccup. And what did Ritter not do? He didn't turn it over, right? That was my thing. Don't turn it over. Because I've been saying that the Heisman is, is quarterbacks and he's undefeated... But he hasn't looked good this year. Really, if you look at his stats in, in certain games, 
you're right. Ford has bailed him out. A 10.4 average in a championship game is unheard of. Well, it was, I will have to say that it was... One long. Uh, <laughs> he did have a 79-yard touchdown. <laughs> but still. But they had to... They had to do their defense around him. 17 carries for 108 yards would be the the other carry. Still not terrible. That's still for not terrible. For an end touchdown. Yeah, Houston, on the other hand, they couldn't run it at all. Man. The Cincinnati defense was outstanding. Um, and this one, kind of like you were saying with the Sun Belt Championship, it never really felt like Houston was going to win. Um, no, no. Okay. Cincinnati controlled it from the start. And um, got the win, and they are like they they. I don't know how many times they said it on the selection show yesterday. The the phrase "break the glass ceiling." <laughs> they must have said a hundred well, times, man. It's it's it's. I, I think there's only one reason. I, I actually don't think this is a. Well, the let's be honest. Maybe this is something we talk about later on with coaches changes and whatnot. The CFP is not going to be here longer than 25 because they're not going to agree on an expansion. What they're going to wait for is a whole new contract. But I don't think an undefeated Cincinnati would be even the number four team if they didn't play Notre Dame. Does that make sense? Let's say the game that they were supposed to play Notre Dame and Notre Dame said, I don't want to play Cincinnati, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say that that game was against, I, I don't know, Virginia Tech. Cincinnati versus Virginia Tech or, or Cincinnati against Nebraska and they stayed undefeated, I do not think they would be in this. But since they beat Notre Dame head-to-head, that's what got them in. I don't think it's a, a, a microcosm of Power Fives getting in in the future. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it matters anyways because – you know, Cincinnati's going to be a Power 5 anyways in, mm-hmm. in two years. So, Big 12. Big 12. Yeah. So that's that's my thing is, you know, it, why does it why does it even matter anymore? Because Cincinnati's going to be... I just don't... I don't think if they would be... I think what got them in was beating Notre Dame, I guess is a better word. They had a signature win against somebody that was in the top six. Mhm. Yeah. Um, just trying to figure out if that's me that keeps dinging with the emails, but I don't. It, I, it was I, me. I just turned it off. That's I was gonna say I don't. I don't see. But like when it dinged, an email popped up. It was because you probably got the D one ticker email too at the same time. Exactly the same. Time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I like, just, I, I don't think I have any email tabs open. <laughs> I just yeah. exited out. I just exited out. Nathaniel Dell for Houston, though, uh, all season for them, leading receiver, nine receptions, 152, and a touchdown. Um, and then defensively, it's Cincinnati. Joel Dublanco, he's my favorite linebacker, my favorite guy from Cincy. Seven tackles, four solos, two sacks, two tackles, loss, and a pick. Since he covered, minus 10.5, over 52.5. Big Ten Championship, number two, Michigan getting it done. 
42 to three in Indianapolis over number 13 Iowa. Uh, Killed him in man. Yeah, and it was weird because the stats. I mean, yeah, you had a running backs run for touchdowns, but. You know, Haskins had that amazing game against Michigan or against Ohio State last week, and he comes back, runs for fifty-six yards and two touchdowns. Um, but it was—it seemed like they wanted to do a more committee approach, I guess. I don't know. Blake Corm had a long run. I think his long run was like fifty-nine yards. So that accounted for a lot of his yardage. But it was the defense. The defense set him up in uh, short, oh. shorter fields. You know, getting stops I, and and whatnot. So, I I believe that. Hear me out. What's the best way to? And I think you'll agree with me for the most part on this. Ninety percent. I I think Michigan is is well coached, even though it took them a while to get over the hump and into the college football playoff. But are you really facing a superb quarterback in Iowa? What has your <laughs> and my's Complaints been all season, dude. Every time, every, every time we talk about, uh, and so what does that? So I, I, I think my question for for anybody, whether it's Herb Street or Corso or Pollock or our friends that are Georgia fans, is it not the same conundrum that he might face? Is Georgia Georgia's quarterback is a little bit better if it's Stetson Bennett, right? But mm-hmm. is it? Any more better than than Petrus? If and I might have said his name wrong all season, but is it any better than what we could roll out there if we don't put out JT? I mean, when has I've never seen Iowa with a quarterback? It's always been run game and and defense. You're right; it is it is Georgia essentially. In the and Ten. so, what are the two teams <laughs> that I say mirror us in the in the Big Ten? Right, the two teams that mirror us the most. I've said Wisconsin on this show, but it's also an Iowa team with good defense and solid offensive line and running, and you do whatever patchwork for your quarterback. And it's Michigan kind of the same same way. And we don't even have a running back like Kenneth Walker who beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. And maybe we do, but we don't give them the touches Michigan State does. Yeah, I... It's funny. Uh, I I think the best Iowa quarterback that I've seen was C.J. Beathard. But, <laughs> yeah, Iowa definitely struggled. I wish I would have seen the trick play. I don't remember the trick play that Michigan when Donovan Edwards threw a 75-yard touchdown <laughs> to Roman Wilson. Uh but yeah, Eric Hall scored again, and then of course, who else? Who else would I pick for defensive player of the game? The guy that's up for the Heisman as well, DN Aiden Hutchinson, Hutchinson, four tackles, a solo, a sack, tackle for loss, two QB errors. Easy, easy money. Uh, Michigan covered minus twelve over forty four hit by one. I didn't have to sweat as much. I had forty three and a half, so. Once Michigan scored for the last time, I was like, let's go. <laughs> There's going to be a, a a family affair when it comes to Miami at the Orange Bowl. 
our ball sister is married to our basketball coach at Georgia. So I think it's intriguing. I guarantee you there'll be a um, article about that before the football game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess I've, I've been getting off track of telling you where these teams are going next uh, for the last three games. <laughs> Houston is playing Auburn in the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, Cincinnati, obviously, in the college football playoff against Bama. And then Georgia against Michigan in the conference in the college football playoff. Iowa, they are heading to the Citrus Bowl to play Kentucky. That would be interesting. That will be the same style. That, that's exactly the same thing. <laughs> Defense and run and, game. You know, I asked my partner if he wanted to go to the Orange Bowl, and he said absolutely not. So I'm just throwing it out there. I would I would buy us tickets if you want to go to Miami. I will be in Athens at your house. <laughs> we'll be watching it together no matter what. Possibly. I don't know. It's at night, so I might be at the bar. Well, with with Nathaniel and you and, might not find me at, yeah. and Bosa. I'll pick you guys up. I will pick you guys up. Solid when we win. Uh, all right, let's go to the last FBS championship ACC title game. Number fifteen Pittsburgh shellacking number sixteen Wake Forest forty five twenty one. My Heisman, my Heisman. <laughs> the Kenny Pickett for Heisman campaign, I think, took a little bit of a dent. Partially because of what Bryce Young did, but partially because he didn't throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns in this game. Uh, and it's not as big of a game, but it was still a fun game. Yeah, 253, three touchdowns. Again, I'm going to say I hate the stupid college football rule that says you can't you count sacks against rushing yards because Kenny Pickett did would, not have 20 rushing yards. He would he have ran, about 78. Yeah, he ran for a freaking 58-yard touchdown. <laughs> Let's See, when about, I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, he put on the wheels. He went on the let's, talk, let's talk about that one play over. We'll get to the stats. Yes or no, I love it. I love the play, and I know it's getting a lot of backlash. You know that as well because you, you follow sports, and people that watch us should follow as well. To me, it's it's take it to any other sport, Right. Take it to basketball. Basketball, you're allowed to pump fake and get a defender in the air, right, and go past them or draw a foul. I know the NBA has new rules now that you can't intentionally blah, blah, blah. But, and I, and I do understand that you have to worry about targeting right now. But the defenders, when you look at the clip, they were 5.4 yards away. It isn't like he did it right when someone was about to hit him. He looked at him. And he, he said he did it intentionally, Kenny Pickett. But they were so far away that he was able to do it. Does that make sense? You still got to get a hand on hand on them when they slide and everything. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I I don't know. I I love everything Kenny Pickett does. So um, but maybe know, we maybe we should have brought the clip of it. If you guys didn't know, he, he was running and put one da- foot down and slid his toes like he was going to go down to slide. And the Wake Forest defenders froze because they thought he was going to slide, and he kept running. I thought it was a boss <laughs> move. Yeah. yeah. You told me about it when I was 
outside doing something with my kids and I ran inside and had the game on and I saw it and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, he was a beast and, and, uh, like I said, I couldn't believe he, he put on the afterburners though and, and got it the whole way in there. Uh, Disappointing night for Sam Hartman. Four interceptions, uh, but did score three times as well. Um, they couldn't run the ball most of the night. Pitt could. Uh, Abanaconda there, 6.1 per carry, two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, Hammond with a receiving touchdown for the Panthers. And Jordan Addison, man, he and Kenny Pickett together are ridiculous eight receptions 126 yards in this game he's just a monster uh let's see defensively i there's two guys servasier <laughs> dennis 12 tackles five solos two sacks two tackles lost and then also for pitt defensive back eric hallett uh two tackles two solo Two picks of Hartman's four and a 19-yard pick six. Pit defense looking like the 2000s pit defense. <laughs> or the, the 2010s with, with Donald. Uh, pit covered minus three and a half, under 72 and a half. All right, let's get in the FCS playoffs here. Second round, number six, Villanova. Getting it done at home, 21-16 over number 24, Holy Cross. Uh, quarterback play was absolutely atrocious, especially for Villanova. But they got it done behind Justin Covington and the defense. And that's really all I have to say. The running game for Villanova was the difference because... If they didn't have that, Matthew Saluka ran for 106 yards and a touchdown uh, for the Crusaders. So, good game for the Wildcats, though, to get it done close. Uh, defensive back Ethan Potter for the Wildcats there with an interception off of Saluka. Holy Cross did cover, though. Plus 13 and a half and under 49. Number five, Montana. Getting it done in a shootout over number four, Eastern Washington. 57-41. Mark, see, I gave you another game. I <laughs> I picked Montana for you because I wanted to loan with Eastern Washington. You know, I think I think that's a it's a uh, revenge game because they Montana went and beat Washington their second week and then turned right around during my interview and lost to, to Eastern Washington, which everybody was like, oh, man, there are nemesis besides Montana State. And they've the Grizz have hit a streak. They are on a roll. Dude, I, this game is exactly the Conference USA Championship game for me. It's again. What what do you want from Eric Barrier? Five thirty and five touchdowns. The man threw it eighty times. If you didn't see that right there, Mark, eighty attempts 
He threw the ball. That's that's correct. <laughs> I mean, that's that is. You know who that reminds me of? The old pirate coach at Mississippi State. That is his numbers right there. He that kid should be icing his arm like Max Scherzer. That sounds like the game a couple years ago that Dak had for Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he he turned it over twice. It was again. I, I keep I can't not analogize it to Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi had two interceptions. Uh, so same thing. I mean, what's incredible to me is you only threw twenty three times and won the ball game fifty seven to forty one to their eighty. Well, it was their the running game. I mean, you look. Uh, the wide receiver, Malik Flowers, he had 92 yards on three carries and a touchdown. You know, Xavier Harris, he was al- almost five yards per carry. Uh, Bergen was five yards per carry, both scoring touchdowns as well. So, running game for Montana. And, again, I, it's, it's the same thing. You know, UTSA ran for a lot in their game. So, a lot. And crazy thing, both of these games were played on Friday night. So, <laughs> doing the same exact thing on two different levels see, at the same I time. The <laughs> I didn't see the score until you were like, oh, you 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 were like, I just saw the score. Yeah. Uh, but look at the receivers here. Talolu Lima Jones, our favorite guy from Eastern Washington, 14 receptions, 215 yards and two touchdowns. Andrew Boston for – Eastern Washington, also 14 receptions, 141 yards and a touchdown. Samuel Akam for Montana, five receptions, 104 yards and two touchdowns. And then Jacoby James for Eastern Washington as well, four for 97 and two touchdowns. Uh, Montana included corner Justin Ford, 55-yard pick six off of Barrier's one interception. So, yeah, again, I I don't know what else you want from the quarterback. (laughs) To, to win you want your defense that's what you want if you're him you know just get a stop please the one stop and then you know we can build momentum but couldn't do it could not do it so uh, montana covered minus four over 58 and a half you know i keep doing this mark i keep forgetting to say where people are going because i didn't say it for the acc teams uh pit they are heading to the Peach Bowl to play Michigan State. Are we going to that one, Mark? That's the night uh, I. That's the night I get in to Athens, <laughs> December thirtieth. <laughs> you want to? I will. I will get us tickets if you want to. It's at seven o'clock in Atlanta. <laughs> I could probably get us tickets. Uh, Nate. Nate's driving. I'll have to get a third one. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Wake Forest, they are going to the Gator Bowl to play Texas A&M. Uh, FCS-wise, Villanova, they win. They are moving on to the next round to play. Always good when I'm trying to tell people stuff and then my phone doesn't load. Uh, they will play South Dakota State next round. They will host South Dakota State in the quarterfinals. Montana, they are going to host James, or no, they are going to James Madison. 
going to jam you. So Saturday, uh, second round here, FCS playoffs. Number nine, ETSU, one-pointer over number 10, Kennesaw State. You said that they could possibly win, Mark, and it took a two-point conversion at the end to beat the Owls of Kennesaw State. This, I flipped this game on in the last 90 seconds. I sent you a text message. They were down two scores. and It almost reminded me of the NC State-UNC game uh, about a week ago. Onside kick, got it back, went down, won the ball game. Just phenomenal, phenomenal game. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I flipped it on at the right time. Uh, The – yeah, it was weird because – Jonathan Murphy was playing quarterback for Kennesaw State. Xavier Shepard got injured, I believe, in this game. That's why he attempted the most passes out of those two quarterbacks. 125, two touchdowns uh, for the triple option. 28 carries, 164, and two touchdowns. Normal stat line for a quarterback there. Uh, Tyler Rydell, three touchdowns. That's a freshman playing there is Rydell. Their normal quarterback not there either. And uh, Quay Holmes for ETSU, great day for him. I mean, three total touchdowns and uh, 182 scrimmage yards off 20 touches. I think the biggest thing for me is seven receptions for 95 yards and two touchdowns (laughs) for the running back. And let's see, defensively, actually I'm going to go passing. Nate Atkins for ETSU, seven receptions, 94 yards. And then uh, Chance Campbell, Chance Gamble for Kennesaw with a pick. Uh, ETSU plus 2.5, over 49.5. And, and the Buccaneers are heading, uh, let's see where they're going. I have my bracket, but it's out in my living room. Uh, they are heading, oh God, sorry, sorry Bucks. You're heading to the Fargo Dome to play North Dakota State <laughs> in the quarterfinals. All right, number two, James Madison walloping number 18, Southeastern Louisiana, 59-20 to 20 in Virginia there uh, along I-81. Uh, yeah, Cole Kelly, I, I knew... I told you, man, uh, you know, Cole Kelly is dangerous, 397, two touchdowns, but he turned it over four times. Not going to get you the win if you turn it over four times. Unless you have a defense like Oklahoma State, then you could possibly win like they almost did. I This is this is one thing that I didn't see coming, though. I did not know that Cole Johnson was going to throw for 300 yards and five touchdowns while running for 44 yards and another score. Uh I just did not think that's what James Madison was. But against a secondary, I guess, of southeastern Louisiana, it, it didn't matter. Got the job done. Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Austin Mitchell here, nine receptions, 129, and a touchdown for Sela. And then Antoine Wells. Remember him from the spring. Great receiver for the... Uh, the Dukes, six 
receptions, 123 yards, and three touchdowns. Three touchdowns, yes. Three. Three receiving touchdowns. Uh, Chris Thornton also scoring twice, once receiving, once running. Uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey. You remember him, Mark. He was a uh, transfer from, or no, actually, I don't know why I thought he was a transfer. Because it just, I don't know why. Maybe it was just because I remembered his name from the spring. I, I definitely looked at that when I was doing the stats, and I thought he was a transfer, so I looked at his bio, and it said James Madison. So, uh, But two picks in this game, including a 43-yard pick, six. Greg Ross, also one of the three picks uh, from Cole Kelly for the Dukes. James Madison, minus 14. They covered over 69. Number one, Sam Houston State, still undefeated. So Sam Houston has won, I think it's like 27 straight now or something like that. Uh, 49-42 shootout against number 13, Incarnate Word. And again, I, I told you, I told you just like I did with Cole Kelly, man, Cameron Ward can light it up. 39 of 61, 481 and five touchdowns. No turnovers. No turnovers and he lost with that stat line. <laughs> that's just, that's tough. That's maybe one special teams play away, one one sack that they could have had a little bit more. And didn't Sam Houston State last year go all the way to the semifinals? Or, or They're the reigning I, national champs. Yeah, reign, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're um, I mean, they're undefeated, but they had some close in the playoffs last year. Yeah, and it was the the game winning score for Sam Houston came with two oh seven to go. Um, UIW turned it over. Wow, on the four or no on the one, fourth and goal from fourth and goal from the four, and they got it down to the one. Cameron Ward on a QB. I don't know if it was a scramble or if it was a QB power. It would. I think it would have to be a scramble if you're at the four-yard line, right? So Yeah, you're going on the outside, definitely. Yeah, so he ran and only got down to the one. I think I'm interested in seeing where Sam Houston State goes next. Uh, yeah, so before we get there, Ramon Jefferson, what a day for him on the ground. The whole running game for Sam Houston. Look at that, 22 carries, 166, two touchdowns. Noah Smith as well, 10 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown, five receptions, 52 yards. Um, Receiving-wise, 300-yard receivers for the Cardinals. Darian Chafin, 11 receptions, 172, two touchdowns. Taylor Grimes, nine receptions, 104, and uh, one touchdown. And uh, Trevor Begu, uh, six receptions, 103, and a touchdown. Incarnate Word covered, plus 12.5, over 63.5 easily. Sam Houston, they are the number one seed, so they are hosting Montana State. Ooh, that'll be fun. I think they win that, but it'll be fun. All right, uh, number three, North Dakota State, 38-7, rolling over number 21, Southern Illinois. Bye-bye, Salukis. I told it. I told you on Friday I said that exact phrase. Uh, Not a... 
great day from Cam Miller at all. Uh, threw a pick. His legs were the difference. 61 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Uh, didn't throw it at all. But he got help from transfer running back to Merrick Williams. You know where he went before he came to NDSU? SMU. He came from SMU. Oh, okay. North okay. Dakota State. Okay. 17 carries, 112 yards, and two touchdowns. And look at that. Look at the integral part that Quincy Patterson played in this game. He didn't throw a pass, but, and I didn't watch this game, so I don't know exactly how they utilized him, but he did run it seven times for 84 yards and a touchdown. Um, I did not get to see this game. Um, I know we all picked NDSU, but I was the one that thought, I did say this, so I'm not always right, only 99% of the time. Just kidding. (laughs) But I thought Southern Illinois would make it a game. I said it if you look at playing the Dakotas this season, they were tough. But this was not a game. Uh, yeah, leading receiver. How many here. turnovers? Do they have? It was one to nothing against wow. North Dakota State. Just that one pick for Cam Miller. Uh, Leading receiver here, tight end Tice Daniel for SIU, four receptions, 85 yards. And then uh, Bryce Notary for the Salukis had the interception of Cam Miller. But yeah, it was just, you know, grinded out all day for Tamaric Williams and Quincy Patterson and Co. So, and Cam Miller. Uh, yeah, North Dakota State covered minus 14.5, under 55. Number seven, Montana State, 26-7, win over number 16, UT Martin. And this was an absolute, this is just trash. Absolute trash quarterback play. If you want terrible quarterback play, this would have been the game to watch for you. Because all three, there was three quarterbacks, two for UTM and one for Montana State. Just terrible. All under 50%. All under 100 passing yards. It was it's like, bro, what are you doing? Luckily for Montana State, Tommy Malott can run the ball because he did a lot, uh, kind of playing off his last name. 23 carries, 180 yards, and two touchdowns for the quarterback uh, for the Bobcats. And my favorite player from Montana State, who I've grown to love here, Isaiah Ifonse is a monster. 28 carries, 176 yards, and a touchdown. Also added one reception, no yards, though, off that. Um, that's how they're going to win, though. It's going to be, it's going to have to be Ifonse because I don't think they can throw the ball efficiently. I agree. And I don't know if he's related or not. It would be an intriguing story if he was for Stuart Howell. If he's related to Sam or not, <laughs> I don't know though. I don't know if Sam Sam, Sam Howell has a brother. So, but yeah, Stuart Howell, three of four for fourteen yards and a pick. Um, but it was they were helped out. Uh, UT Martin didn't even score on offense. It was Zay, uh, Jay Woods, sixty-eight yard fumble returned for a touchdown off of Tommy Millot. So, and uh, Simeon Woodard. Montana State had the interception off of Howell. Montana State covered minus 11 and a half under 53, 43, under 43. 
Swag Championship. Dion, 11 and 1, number 15, Jackson State, 27 10, win over Prairie View AM. Uh, is that his son? Can, um, yes. yes. That's what it I is. thought. Yep. He had a terrible can, game. <laughs> can he win the championship is the question. Can his culture? I don't think that he's got enough players in his short time there to, to, to win it all, but can his culture beat people all the way to the championship? Because he's, he's creating culture down there, man. Yeah, and see, this is the thing that the SWAC has to figure out. They have to... They have to stop doing what they're doing if they want to get recognized nationally, I think. Because I think if Jackson State was in the FCS playoffs, they would be going to the quarterfinals right now. I think yeah. they could do yeah. enough you know, to, to play with the other teams that are in the playoffs right now. But they don't have that opportunity because the SWAC schedules its championship game for the, the weekend of the second round of the playoffs. So... And they play, you know, 11 regular season games. Or they, no, yeah, they play 11 regular season games instead of 10 or 11 like some other teams or conferences do. But, yeah, they need, they, they I think they need to push their, their thing back because, you know, we had Florida A&M in the playoffs as an HBCU this year, but that's because they didn't win their division and weren't eligible to go to the SWAC championship. Um, so, I don't know who Jackson State's playing in the Celebration Bowl if they have that matchup already. Would it be Florida A&M? It might be. Let's see. No, it's South Carolina State. How does, how does that work? What? <laughs> how did... Uh, well, South Carolina State's not even in the SWAC. Where who? Who is South Carolina? What is what conference is South Carolina State in? Oh, the MIAC. Oh, uh, I guess those are. Are those all HBCUs in the MIAC? Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't think NC Central nor Delaware uh, State. Yeah, Delaware NC State? Central is. NC Central is HBCU. Is Delaware State? That I don't. I mean, I think they would have to be. I don't know. That's enough. the only other uh, one that I I wouldn't know because I know Norfolk State is Howard and Morgan State. I know all those are. Then Delaware State has to be. Yes. So yeah. that's going to be a slaughter in itself. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is in Dover, Delaware State versus. Jackson State versus South Carolina State. Good Lord. Uh, so, are they not eligible to go to the championship? Who, Jackson State? Yeah. No, they can't play in the FCS playoffs because they already started. And that's the, that's the SWAC's issue, is that if they want to be in the playoffs, they can't. They have to move their championship game back a week. I think he wins it. God. Two weeks, two weeks technically, because the championship game is now, you know, in the second round of the playoffs this week. So they'd have to move. Gosh. They have to do it like every other conference does it, where you so play your they, championship they, they just, 
the last they week did. of the regular season. They just play for the HBCU championship. Yeah, they play for the HBCU national which, championship. That's it. Which I followed. I you know I followed Dion and everything he puts out, and he was saying that we're going to do it. What he was saying, what I've heard him say is. No one's ever done it this way at HBCU University, so we're going to do it first. But I do think he is working to change that or move up or what it, whatever that may look like. Yeah. So, but his son struggled. It was again a. This was another just terrible, terrible quarterback performance in this game. Uh, you know, it didn't matter which Prairie View quarterback was playing, whether that be Jawan Pass or Trazon Conley. Both were horrible. Passed with four turnovers, three picks, and a fumble. You know, Conley had a fumble. Uh, Deion's son threw a pick. Luckily for Jackson State, Peyton Pickett was there to run for 19 times and 107 yards and a touchdown. Because um, otherwise, it was, like I said, terrible. Uh, Jackson State's defense was outstanding, though. They got help from the special teams as well. You can see there, corner Isaiah Bolden with a 91-yard kick return touchdown. James Houston with a five-yard pick six. Uh, you know, Cameron Silman Craig had two picks. And then Darius Campbell for Prairie View had an interception as well. Uh, Jalen Howard for the Panthers, four receptions, 93 yards, and a touchdown. I don't even know what Jackson State's mascot is. Because, again, I hate their logo, and you can't tell what their mascot is from their logo, so... <laughs> what even is their mascot? Prairie View, the Panthers. No, 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 no. Jackson State. Because oh, that's a good question. Because really again, don't... their ma- like their oh, logo the, sucks. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it goes with the the J. They're the Jaguars or t- Tigers or I think they're the Jaguars. I mean, let's look it up. Now you got me. Pe- I, I I think it's the Jaguars. Yeah, because their logo sucks. I hate it. I still hate their look. <laughs> oh, you, we talked about that last week. I'll keep talking about it. I don't care. Uh, I don't know. Their mascot is called Wavy Dave. Wait, that's what I just yeah. Wait, it's a ti- It's a tiger. It's yeah, a tiger. <laughs> it's the tigers. I feel like that doesn't really work, though. Jackson State Tigers. Who knows why they... There's some history behind that. It would be more catchy if it was Jackson State Jaguars, right? Am I wrong? I don't know. Uh, Bengal Tiger. So are they the Bengals? Instead of the Tigers? Bengals thing? probably. I don't know. No, it is the Jackson State Tigers. Yeah. Another thing I'm not a fan of, Jackson State, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like your logo. I'm not a fan of your mascot. I do like your head coach and, and you're obviously a winning team, so it is what it is. Again, I'm just a guy here on a not followed podcast. So anyways, uh, Jackson state covered minus seven and a half under 43 and a half. Like I said, they're going to play South Carolina state in the celebration bowl. 
Number 11, South Dakota State getting it done, 24-19 at number 8, Sacramento State. Uh, the Jacks had a nice day in, in Sacramento, California. Um, Sacramento State's quarterback was decent, 331 touchdown, did throw two interceptions. But uh, the running game, again, I, I said this on Friday, that's the difference for South Dakota State, man. Isaiah Davis and Pierre Strong combined are almost unstoppable. 19 carries, 108 yards, and a t two touchdowns for Davis. Strong had 14 carries, 73 yards, and a touchdown, both over five yards per carry. And, uh, yeah. It was interesting. Asher O'Hara threw five times, uh, four of five for 44 yards and a touchdown for Sacramento State. Uh it was weird. I didn't even know he transferred to Sacramento State from mid-Tennessee. But, yeah, he got in the game, threw a touchdown. So, in the playoffs. Good for him. Yeah, and uh, Pierre Williams, seven receptions, 100 yards, and a touchdown for the Hornets, our Sacramento State. <laughs> All right, since uh, Chris is not here and he always questions you, what's the running back? What's Cameron's last name? Cameron. Oh, Skatebo. Is it Skatebo? I don't actually know. I'm just guessing. I like it. I mean, I, it's a cool last name. Skatebo, uh, Skatebo. Hey, he's on the scat again. He's going to get 23 yards. <laughs> Jared Gibson there for Sacramento State as well. Four receptions, 96 yards. Um, and defensively... The two picks for the Jackrabbits, defensive end Cade Tervier with a pick and corner Don Gardner with a pick. Sacramento State did cover, though, plus seven, under 54.5. Yeah, Sacramento State seven-point underdogs at home. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And uh, South Dakota State, I think we already said them, but they are heading to Philadelphia to play Villanova. Okay. NFL, here we go. Eagles tromping over the Jets, 33-18. Dang, I wish Chris was here so I could rub it in his face. Because Minshew Mania, baby, was back in, in MetLife Stadium, and he had himself a day. 80%, 242, and two touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, great you know, day for Minshew. You guys know my affinity for Gardner Minshew. I love it. I love the mustache. I th thought he is a more than capable NFL quarterback, but I didn't know this. His debuts are the best in the NFL. He has an NFL record for first first time with the team, and I understand that that's only two teams, but he leads in completion percentage in um, debuts with teams because he wasn't named the starter in either teams. Mm -hmm. And so... Maybe someone should trade for him every year just to, hey, you're going to play after someone's injured. But he made that offense look good. I think uh, the thing I took away with from, and I think you would too, is Mr. Uh, Dallas getting a contract extension this year. And look at those numbers. I, I love those numbers. Yeah. The, the entire Eagles offense was working at peak capacity here. Like you said, Dallas Goddard, six receptions, 105 yards, two touchdowns. Miles Sanders, again, 24 carries, 120 yards, three receptions for 22 yards. Got his ankle nicked up again. Uh, so luckily they're going into bye week this week. Him and Jalen Hurts can 
rehab together <laughs> on their ankles. Uh, but yeah, it was a good good day for Zach Wilson. Even in a loss, um, he had three total touchdowns. And I agree with what Daniel Jeremiah put out on Twitter today. You know, watching the film of Zach Wilson, you could definitely see the improvement. Um, how he has gotten better over the weeks. So it, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, Jets fans, and specifically Chris. Um, for your franchise. Especially with a guy like Elijah Moore, who he's thrown to 12 targets for them, for him there. Defensively, Josh Sweat. Could pick Javon Hargrave, but I'm going with Josh Sweat. Who was another guy, got an extension this season. Three tackles, a solo, one and a half sacks, one tackle floss, two QB hits. <clears throat> Eagles covered, minus five, over 44. Bucks in Atlanta, 30-17 to win over the Falcons. Tom Brady still undefeated against Atlanta. Uh, I believe he's 9-0 and now in his career, or is it 10-0? and I don't remember. Regardless, it doesn't matter. There's a zero on the loss column when, when Brady plays uh, the Falcons. And uh, he had himself a day. <laughs> 368, four touchdowns, one pick, uh, which unfortunately for him cost him points. But, uh, yeah, I think Brady's got to be the MVP right now. And he's slicing and dicing almost every team they play. Nah. Nah. How can you not pick? I mean, what, what do you mean? <laughs> Anytime Colin Murray steps on the field, he's 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 there. Oh my! They played the Bears. I, that's down. a good defense. That's a good defense. No, it's not. <laughs> not they have the, they don't have the right coach in Chicago, and so that's all I have to say. I don't want to hear that whole Brady thing again. He's got so many weapons around him. He should be that good. It you should it be. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna be the MVP, you got to give it to him because no one's done it at this age. It's not that that oh, and he plays in a weak division. I don't, I don't even want to hear that, Russell. It's not his fault. He he doesn't build the team. Technically, now I will. Technically, <laughs> I will agree that he picked the greatest destination to to go down to, and they've got everybody behind him. And the one thing that I love, two things out of this game. Leonard Fournette's one-handed catch is much harder than all these one-handed catches that you see. The dude's running full steam, caught it over his shoulder, one-handed, put two feet in inbounds, and he's a running back. And then the second thing is Gronk and him have 90 touchdowns now, and Peyton and Marvin Harrison have 112. Do we think that they can break the tandem for most touchdown duo? Possibly. That's 22 touchdowns, and it's not like Gronk is going to get well, Randy, Randy Moss numbers each year. Well, because they play, they still have... Uh, they they, they take the playoffs into consideration. Five, they have five more games this season. So that's probably at least, I would say, three touchdowns at the very minimum. That's probably three more. Um. And it, it, is it including playoffs? That's a good question. I don't know, because you're the one that brought it up. So, 
<laughs> I, I mean, it just popped in my mind because I, I saw it. I just saw it on on a stat. Um, actually, on 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 TV at lunchtime. That's the only reason I knew about that. And I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting. And Gronk took off a year too. So. Yeah, but I think if Bron- if Gronk can uh, keep going like he said he has. I think he finally took Tom up on his training regimen. <laughs> and uh, I think the sun in Tampa is doing him a lot of good. So I think Gronk's going to now keep playing until Brady's done. I think it's possible. So I think 10 touchdowns in the next two years, 10 touchdowns each season is not out of the realm of possibilities for Gronk. I, I mean, I don't know how many he has this year, but... I know he has quite a bit. I know he's not near 10 because that's, that's where, like, Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen. Well, they have they – have, they got to get 22 touchdowns. Yeah. So I'm saying, you know, three more this year and then oh, yeah. 10 per year the next two years. So I think at the start of the season, if and, – and we don't know if we're talking playoffs. Let's say we're only doing – regular season right now i think they get to 15 mm-hmm. at best is, is that a good number? with the playoffs probably 15 maybe less that's weird okay i'm, I'm just gonna leave i'm gonna i gotta save this picture from twitter but uh yeah Lenny had a nice day again. Playoff Lenny. He likes to be called Lombardi Lenny, actually. Chris Godwin, I mean, 15, 15 receptions, 143 yards, 17 targets the man was targeted. Uh, Russell Gage in a, had a in, weird day. In too. a losing effort, yeah, Russell Gage. I mean, 11 for 130. Also turned it over, though, on 12 targets. Mike Evans, once again. I love Mike Evans. Seven I, I, for 99 on 10 targets. Gronk, like you said, two touchdowns. And then defensively, I'm going to go with Vita Vea. Two tackles, both solos, two sacks, two tackles lost, three QB hits. Uh, I'd go with Sue. Four tackles, two solo, two sacks, two tackles for a loss, two quarterback hits. You also have Marlon Davidson. Because he's the old man. He's the elder statesman. <laughs> You also have Marlon Davidson down there for the Falcons getting the pick six off of Tom Brady as a defensive tackle. Uh, Three-yard pick six and a pass deflection. That was a long run. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, uh, Bucks covered minus 10.5, under 50.5. Cardinals, 33-22 win over the Bears in the rain. Andy Dalton, what, what a day. Four picks for Dalton. Started out with two straight picks on drives. Uh, the one was absolutely just crushing for it. I mean, Komet, Komet hit the ground, and he hit the ground, and the ball just, he just, he just, like, threw it to, I think it was Byron Murphy. And he's just like, here you go, bud. Right for you. <laughs> it's like, well, how how much worse luck can you get than Andy Dalton had on a couple of those picks? I look, I said something about Kyler Murray. His numbers aren't eye popping, but every time he touches the ball, it's like 
are they going to score? Is he going to run? And so for me, he, you take him away, and, and maybe he loses the MVP race because McCoy won him games, but he's he. There's such a different dynamic to this team. With that said, this is a well-rounded team. You have you have JJ Watt that went out. They're they're winning a the game. They're ten and two. You're getting you're getting stuff from Connor, whether that's you know not great average, but then he's getting receptions, he's getting into the end zone. And DeAndre Hopkins, whether he steps on the field for five plays or not, he changes the landscape of this game. Two receptions and he's got a touchdown. Yeah, I was very happy that James Conner didn't score a rushing touchdown and he scored a receiving touchdown because I have the rushing touchdowns later at the end of the season as being James Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. So Jonathan Taylor. thank you, James, for not scoring a rushing touchdown. Um, yeah, it was weird. You know, Kyler only had 123 passing yards, but he scored four times. So I, I, I think what is funny is, and you you played something that that made you, I guess, I mean, you were 100% right with the Utah State. And I'm not bringing that up, but everybody was on me like, okay, maybe the Cardinals are a wild card team. I said, this team's going to be good this year. Yeah. Uh, defensively, I'm going with Byron Murphy. Six tackles, four solos, a half a sack. Two pass flexions, a QB hit, and a pick. Probably should have went with Jordan Hicks, but that's fine. I, I don't know. That's pretty undisputed. <laughs> uh, Cardinals covered minus 7.5, over 43. Easy. Chargers beating up on the Bengals, 41-22. to How about that? You score 41 one week, next week you get 41 scored on you. Uh, Justin Herbert, dude. Yeah, go ahead. 3.17, three touchdowns and a pick off 74.3% completion. He put up points, fantasy-wise, a lot of points in this game. And I was very what, happy to take them all. What, um, I, my takeaway from this game is, and I said, oh, gosh, why did you pick pick this as my dog? Or, or lock, I don't remember which one it was. What I walked away from this game is... Six sacks for Burrow. It looked like his rookie season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I was just, uh, you know, like I said, I was excited about Justin Herbert and uh, being able to throw on the Bengals a lot. This game was so weird, though. You know, look at the runs that, that occurred in this game. Starting off, 24 nothing for the Chargers. You think, bro, this is done. In the second quarter, you could have thought it was done at 24 nothing, But then, <laughs> the Bengals scored 22 unanswered. It's a two-point game because they missed a two-point conversion to tie it. And then, the Chargers, all they do is respond with 17 unanswered to end the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, <laughs> it's just weird. It's up and down, up for the Chargers. Um, but yeah, Mike Williams, nice day, five for one ten on seven targets. T. Higgins, weirdly the leading receiver, yeah, 
Nine receptions, yeah. 138, and a touchdown on 14 targets. They really shut down Chase in this game. Uh, Eckler with a weird day, two fumbles. Both running backs fumbled the ball, Mixon and Eckler. Uh, three and Mixon, Mixon was huge. Mixon's was huge. Yeah, that was the uh, 61-yard fumble return for a touchdown, which I forgot to put him on. I apologize, Tavon Campbell. 61-yard fumble return touchdown for that man. Uh, fumble returns, I always seem to forget if I forget anything on defensive stats because fumbles are in their own category and it doesn't show the return yards for fumbles on the stats. So, uh, But yeah, he would probably be my defensive player. Otherwise, I'm going with Chris Rumpf uh, for the Chargers. Five tackles, two souls, a sack, tech floss, three QB hits. Chargers plus two and a half over forty nine and a half. Okay, I hate this game so much. Lions get their first win of the season, twenty nine twenty seven over the Vikings. You know, it was they were a day short, Mark. They this was their first win in three hundred and sixty four days. Uh, Kirk Cousins. Oh crap! I didn't put the passing yards on there for Jared Goff. He threw for 296 yards. Uh, but, yeah, golf with the game-winning touchdown to Amon Ross St. Brown, 11 yards at the buzzer. I just – I had the under 47.5 in this game, and it was looking amazing. It was great. We were in the first quarter. It ended – the first quarter ended 6 to nothing. I'm like, great, we are on track. Under 47 and a half. Just keep playing the way you're playing, guys. And we'll be good to go. And then the stupid Lions. They scored freaking 20 points in the second quarter. I'm like, Vikings defense, wh- what are you doing? <laughs> you can play the Lions. <laughs> like, come on. How does that? How do you let the Lions score 20 points in a quarter? I have no clue. Uh, especially with the Vikings defense. That has the best sack rate in the NFL. They were averaging three sacks per game coming into this game. Well, I I think Vikings are a team that has a defensive identity, and I don't. And I'm not even faulting Kirk Cousins, but if you look at all their games, and I have a close friend from the military that's a Vikings fan, he's like. We should be the cardiac Vikings this year because every game is oh yeah we come back and win or it's two points we lose or it's a field goal and the Lions even though they're one in ten they've been in almost eighty percent of their games not every game but a lot of the games they've lost by last second field goal couldn't get into the end zone so it was bound to get one they got it against their division rival and. The two two takeaways from this game is Justin Jefferson's a beast. We've we've known that, but he legitimately is a top ten wide receiver in the NFL with with being that young. And the second second thing is, are we, we going to have a new coach in Minnesota at the end of the year? Possibly, very much possibly. I know Zimmer's up there on the uh, projected odds. For first coach to be fired, I think he's probably like third or fourth on that list. Uh, but I don't. I think it's hard because you know the Vikings. 
with how many teams there are in the NFC that are so mediocre right now, you know, the playoffs are at six and six with Washington and the Niners in the in the six and seven seed right now. And there's like seven or eight teams that are within one or one and a half games or whatever. So it's there's a lot of football to be played in the last uh, six weeks of the season. But I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, or five weeks of the season. We'll have to see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, Justin Jefferson, he was the one that broke me. His touchdown broke me because it was third and goal from the one-yard line. All the Lions had to do was get a stop. Waking kick a field goal. It puts it exactly at 47 points. And then, you know, the Lions, or, or then the Vikings defense, you know, all they had to do was get one more stop after that. And then they run the clock out with Alexander Madison and company out running the ball um, effectively. That was the game script. That was how it should have played out. <laughs> but no, the Vikings had to go play action on third and goal at the one and throw a stupid wide-open touchdown to Jeff Justin Jefferson. God. Um, make things worse, I also didn't get many fantasy points from this game because Adam Thielen got hurt, so... Uh, defensively, though, I'm going with the Lions. Charles Harris, two tackles, two solos, two sacks, one tackle for loss, and four hits on Kirk Cousins. Lions plus seven, over 47 and a half. And by the way, the Vikings, they've only played in one game this year that hasn't been decided by one score or less. It was their win over the Seahawks when they won 30-17. to 17. Every other game has been eight points or less. Dolphins. 11-point win over the Giants in Miami, 20-9. Uh, Tua, nice day. Nice, easy. Cruising along, 244, two touchdowns, 73% completion. Uh, they didn't get much from the running game all day. Um, yeah, Mike Glennon struggled. As a starter. Jalen Waddle, though, man. 9 for 90 on 11 targets. He keeps piling up the, the receptions. And I think he they said he now has the second most in a player's first however many games, 12 games or whatever, in a player's career, only behind OBJ. So, Yeah. It's weird because, you know, no one's talking about Jalen Waddle for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I think, you know, I don't think Jamar Chase is in it anymore considering how his production has gone down. And uh, it's easy. You know, Mac Jones most likely going to win it. But, uh, and I think also, you know, my guy Najee hasn't produced enough lately either to be in the in the hunt. I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Waddle finishes like second in offensive rookie of the year, though. So, and he, he's doing it when his quarterbacks have been injured, and he ha he's he's an integral part of why the Dolphins have won five straight and are are squarely in the playoff hunt now. You know, uh, 
Yeah, defensively, Jalen Phillips, another rookie. Rookie first-round pick out of Miami. <laughs> three tackles, three solos, two sacks, two tackles lost, and two QB hits. I don't know what the Giants are doing at quarterback, which we'll, we'll talk about that, though, uh, coming up. <clears throat> Dolphins cover minus seven, under 40. Colts blanking the Texans, 31 and up. Uh, this one was in Houston at NRG Stadium. Carson Wentz, kind of like Tua, didn't have to do anything. You know, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, 32 carries, 143, two touchdowns. I was disappointed he fumbled the ball, but he got me yards and he got me touchdowns. I have I think, the rushing I think yards running, as well. He's running away with a touchdown record, or I, not touch, touchdown of the year. Yeah, well, I have him rushing yards too. I got that very good value, just like the rushing touchdowns. Rushing yards and touchdowns were very – dude, I got them so at great values. I think the rushing yards was at, like, plus 1,000, and the rushing touchdowns was 950. Like, dude, that's a ridiculous value that I got him. And it was right after Henry got hurt, and I was like, who is leading these categories besides Henry? Taylor and Taylor. <laughs> so uh, he's running away with it. Unfortunately – his competitors will have a chance to catch up to him this week with the bye week. Um, but I like it because, you know, he's getting a, a he's getting two weeks to kind of rest, get his body, you know, some rehab and uh, come out fresh after the bye. So love the way the Colts are going right now. They're riding 28. And we talked about Brady for MVP. That's another bet I have in for Jonathan Taylor that I took on a whim. You know, Taylor for MVP, I think, is a real thing, especially if the Colts make the playoffs. And even possibly, I am not ruling out, the way that the Titans are playing right now, I'm not ruling out the Colts don't win the AFC South. I might have to look at those odds because uh, when you look at it, the Colts are one and a half games back right now. Of the Titans, so obviously we'll have to see what happens next week if the Titans go up two games, since they're playing um, and most likely the Titans will go up two games because they're hosting the Jags. So, but yeah, I love love the way the Colts are training. So, Michael Pittman, 110 total yards off eight touches here. And let's see what else I want to talk about. I guess defensively. Let's go Al Qadeen Muhammad for the Colts. Three tackles, all of them solo. Two sacks, two tackles lost, three QB hits. I do have to mention, though, former Eagle and leading tackler for the Texans, Kamu Grugier Hill. 20 tackles, half of them solo, 10 solo tackles, a sack, three tackles lost, and a QB hit. That's just absurd to get 20 tackles in a game in the NFL. Uh, Colts cover minus 10, under 45 and a half. Texans didn't score. Washington football team, game-winning field goal by Brian Johnson. 17-15 uh, over the Raiders. Another game I gave you, Mark, in the picks. So yes, sir. Um, yeah. It was, a, it was a good game. I, I did cash the under in this game. 
But it was also kind of a fluky game. It was a lot of defensive stops, a lot of running the ball to no avail. But Washington got it done, and they stay two games back of the Cowboys in the division. I was really hoping yeah, they would lose so the Eagles could jump up to second, but I you ever look at the Raiders and go, do they have enough? Do they not have enough? Is Derek Carr a really good quarterback? Would he be better in a different system or he's good in this system? That's because I know what you're gonna get from Ron. I think they're always a well coached team. He he's had a good quarterback, took him to a Super Bowl. He's had him different quarterbacks in Washington, but they've always been competitive. Four straight wins for Washington. So, And, and, the, and, and the play on Logan Thomas ah, to get his knee injury, that, that those are the plays I don't want to see in football. Yeah, see, I, I saw his tweet about that, and – or, no, I don't think it was his tweet. It was Kenyon Drake's – no, it was Logan Thomas's tweet, I guess. No, 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 yeah. I saw Kenyon Drake's tweet about the tackle that he had on his broken ankle. Um, and I saw the Logan Thomas thing. Not That wasn't tweeted out from him, though. It was someone else that tweeted that out. Um, but, yeah. I agree. The Logan Thomas one I don't like. Um Kenyon Drake's injury, though, I don't really know how you can police tackling like that. You know, it's hard not to... You know, his issue was that people are tackling... Defenders are, are tackling and swinging their legs around to to leg whip the the offensive player's legs and get him down that way, causing leg injuries to skill position players. But it's like, you know, I don't know how you can throw a flag on those kind of plays. It's In, in, in my opinion, and I know the both that we're talking about, but Logan Thomas's wasn't even a tackle. It's like yeah. a fake block. Yeah, Yannick Ngakwe was purposefully avoiding getting blocked by going low. Which and, and that's maybe you, unexcusable maybe, considering how big Ngakwe is. It's not like he's a skinny little corner. Right, right. And that's my my other thing is Logan's got to keep his eyes forward and jump over. And I think he was. And you slow it down. It looks like he's trying to get over it. I I don't. My thing is the only thing I don't like about that play is it's near the play, but it really isn't near the play. Mm-hmm. I think his was tough too because his was more of a slide block where the, yep. line, the line's going one way he's coming back to, to crack on the other way so i don't know it's football it's football right it's contact my boy renfro having a yeah. amazing season nine for 102 and 10 targets love having renfro have he, you ever and my thing about hunter is have you ever looked at him like if you look at his just look him up on on the internet he looks like you and i he really does he is not a big guy he looks like he looks like a dad with a couple kids and he eats pizza and takes them to their 
their soccer games. That's why they called him the old man when he was at Clemson. Because <laughs> he looked like he I'm was like, about freaking 28 <laughs> and playing with 22-year-olds when he was like I just 23. Love I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, uh, defensively, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually going to go with Nate Hobbs for the Raiders. Nine tackles, four solos, attack, floss, pass, flexion, and a pick. Uh, let's see. Washington cover plus one and a half under forty-seven and a half. Your your Rams, Mark, destroying the Jags in L.A. Thirty-seven to seven. Matthew Stafford, nice day. Again, I didn't put the yardage. I don't know why I have a problem with that, but Matt Stafford two ninety-five. Two ninety-five. And I guess I didn't put all of the stats for Trevor Lawrence. Sixteen to twenty-eight, one forty-five. Uh, no touchdowns, no picks for Lawrence. I'm I'm just happy to see that, that we had over a hundred yard rusher. I'm just being honest. It was out of nowhere. I mean, granted, you, you know, you knew Daryl Henderson wasn't going to play, even though he was active for the game. Um, all right, I thought he did play a little bit. No, he didn't. Uh, but yeah, good day for Sony. I know I dropped him a long, long time ago. Probably back in September, I dropped Sony Michelle off my fantasy roster because he was irrelevant um, getting traded from the Patriots because Henderson was taking all the snaps. 24 carries, though, 121 yards, a, a touchdown. I'm just happy because just like Jonathan Taylor, dude, I have my little bet for Cooper Cup to win the uh, yards, receiving yards race, and he's doing just that. No, no catches in the first half, <laughs> and they come out on the first three drives of the second half, and he pretty much has all his stats on those first three drives, eight for 129 and a touchdown off 10 targets. Um, absolutely love Cooper Cup, and, yeah, he's getting me. He's only had one game this season in fantasy that he scored under 20 points. That's why he's easily the number one receiver. <laughs> he's killing it. Uh, interesting, Laquan Treadwell. Led the way receiving for the Jags in this game. Four for 62 on five targets. finding a Finally finding a home, I guess, in Jacksonville. <laughs> after a couple stops. After being a first-round pick of the Vikings a few years back. Odell, his first touchdown as a Ram in this game. Um, not a lot of production otherwise. But still learning. And I know Stafford's tr been trying to hit him on one of those deep routes, but he just can't can't hit him yet. So on the end zone, though. Yeah, help me out in uh, my daily fantasy lineup in one of them. Uh, defensively, I'm just going to go with the top guy, rookie. Your rookie linebacker out of South Carolina, Ernest Jones, third round pick, uh, nine tackles, five solos, a half a sack, pass deflection, and a QB hit. Rams cover, minus 14, under 48. Jags just couldn't score another touchdown. Or the Rams, whichever one you want. Steelers, woo-woo, lone wolf, baby. 20-19 to over the Ravens in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, Ben, no turnovers. Lamar, another pick, and it was a bad one early in the first quarter. Just, you know, lob it up, here you go. It's like that game we used to play as a kid, jackpot. <laughs> Lamar said, 
And Mika got all 500 of those bills. <laughs> Mika Fitzpatrick with the pick in the end zone. Easy money for him. Uh, I was disappointed. Najee Harris did not score a touchdown in this game. He killed my parlay. I had a touchdown scoring parlay that the first two legs hit easily. Uh, Jonathan Taylor scored early. And I had another running back. I don't remember who it was. In the in the first slate of games, I'd have to look. But anyways, I also had Cooper Cup in that in that parlay, and uh, Najee just couldn't get it done for me. Um, oh, it was I had Lenny 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 Leonard Fournette scored easily um, as well, so. But yeah, I also lost a little one because I, I took one of the odds boost on the site. It was uh, plus 310 for both teams to score a rushing and a passing touchdown. And it was set up perfectly. I mean, Lamar threw a touchdown at the end that should have tied the game. They went for two, didn't get it. Uh, but if it would have went to overtime, you know, we would have had another chance for a Najee touchdown and a rushing touchdown. But I was just disappointed because... They didn't get the ball to Najee enough when they got to the five-yard line um, of the Ravens, and they threw the second touchdown to Deontay Johnson, who had a marvelous game. Eight receptions, 105 yards, two touchdowns on 11 targets. But, yeah, good win for the Steelers. Like I said, much needed. They had to pull the Ravens back, and now you look at it, they're – once again, right a, a game and a half right out. They They're a game and a right half out again. So, um, every every year in that division, they're right there. And crazy, uh, the next time they play is Week 18. Could be oh. for the division. Oh. Uh, but also, when they play next time, it will tie for second all-time with 31 meetings between Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh. Tying them for second all-time in that Week 18 meeting, they will. So. And did T.J. Watt not do everything to win this game? Did <laughs> T.J. T.J. was an absolute monster, man. I mean... Six tackles, five solos, three and a half sacks, three tackles, yeah. six, <laughs> yes, six QB hits in this game. Um, yeah, and I saw a thing on Twitter today before the show. Someone said uh, TJ Watt should be up for MVP because that's how much he means. He, he's they're taking your your thinking. How much he means to the the team. So, yeah. Uh, I will have to shout out though Chris Wormley against his former team. Uh, the Ravens <coughs> traded Chris Wormley to the Steelers last year. Five Dang. tackles, three solos, two and a half sacks, two tackles for loss, and three QB hits. Great game for him as well. Steelers plus four, under 44. 
Seahawks, look at that. They got a win. <laughs> Against and the division was foe, 30 Pete to Carroll. three. I love the jubilation from Pete Carroll at the end. They've uh, been working hard. I do believe that. They work hard. Yeah, again, it, it's not it, – it wasn't spectacular from Russ, I thought. Um, you know, very efficient, 81.1%. Great job there, but only 231 yards on 30 completions. You know, two touchdowns, good. One pick, bad. I'd like to see Russell run more. You know, only three times here for 15 yards. Uh, what a play call, though. The special teams, that Travis Homer touchdown run, just great special teams. Difference, call. difference in the game. Difference in the game. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Peterson score, <laughs> scoring for another team. I mean, what's new? All AP does is score touchdowns. He doesn't get many yards at this age. But, dude, you give him the ball on the one-yard line, he's more than likely going to score. So, <laughs> uh, and how about George Kittle? He's another guy that did everything he could to try to win the game. Nine receptions, 181 yards, and two touchdowns on 12 targets. Um, dude, he scored about 39 fantasy points for me. Just monster, monster game this week. Uh, I love George Kittle. He's a beast. And, yeah, good win for the Seahawks. They needed it. They definitely needed it. They are... Two games back of the playoffs now. Um, so, who you picking defensively? You know, man, why not? I I, I would like to go in a losing effort because the eye popping numbers, but I gotta go. I gotta go in a in a winning effort with. <laughs> Jordan Brooks, 11 tackles. I know it's only five solo, but well, one tackle for a loss, but I felt like in those 11 tackles, he covered the whole field, and you have to do that with, with, with Kittle and people. I know mm-hmm. Dunlap has got some good good numbers. Yeah, Jordan Brooks, definitely an ascending player. I'm going to go back to old reliable, though, Nick Bosa. Three tackles, three yeah. solos, a sack, three, ta- three QB hits. All right, Sunday Night Football, the Chiefs, man, they're rolling. 22-9 over the Broncos. Patrick Mahomes did not have a good night. I mean, 184, a pick. Granted, he didn't have the ball a lot of the game, especially the first half. The Broncos dominated time of possession. The thing is, Broncos, you have a 20-play drive, and you don't get any points out of it. That is debilitating, to say the least. I I took a lot away from this game, if that makes sense. So, I I don't, you know, we've been taught, we're making good time. We're we're about off of here. We've got a lot of news to cover. But for me, this game is, we already know the winning streak that the the Chiefs are on. All you have to do is dominate your, your division to get into the playoffs. What I took away from this game is, you found a way to win without your star quarterback. And that, that's that been the whole mantra is, is there something wrong with Patrick Mahomes? Mm-hmm. Even if there is, the Chiefs just found a way to beat a division foe without him beating him by himself. 
and you and I talked this entire season. I thought he was trying to do too much. When he should have checked down, he was trying to go downfield. When he should have checked down, he was trying to run when he had no running space. Well, now you had another dimension to this. They found a way to win with their defense. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, Bridgewater, not a good game, but look at that running back from North Dude. Carolina. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I I loved it. He I, – I did have Chiefs minus eight and a half, so I got that. But I also have Javante Williams on quite a few fantasy teams and a couple of fantasy teams I traded for him this year early on in the season. Uh, you know, it hasn't been pretty – as of late, you know, getting this this split with Melvin Gordon, but he's gotten enough fantasy points to stay relevant. And uh, but yeah, man, what a night for him! You know, twenty nine touches, one hundred and seventy eight total yards, and a receiving touchdown there off nine targets. Um, and it, it begs you have to you have to ask it now, you know. Should they go back to what it was with with him and Melvin splitting carries? I mean, obviously they didn't win in this game, but that wasn't Javante's fault. It was the fact that they Teddy threw two picks and uh, their passing game wasn't efficient enough, and their defense was doing well. I mean, to to hold the Chiefs to twenty two points, that's you 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 can win when you're holding a team to twenty two points. Very possible that you win but yeah i think this one was was teddy's issue i think i i don't see anyone else to blame for the game so um i was happy daryl williams got 80 total yards and three receptions i wasn't sure how much fantasy relevancy he would get with clyde back but and i needed him because I have a, a dynasty league where all my running backs are injured and the ones that aren't injured were on a bye this week. So <laughs> I needed Daryl Williams to come through for me, and he did. A uh, decent amount of points anyways, you know, 11. So weird night, though. You know, Kelsey and Hill, both very limited. I mean, like I said, it wasn't that great of a night for Mahomes. And uh, the defense, though, the Chiefs defense, it's the same thing. We've seen it every year the last two seasons, and it's the same thing that's happening again this year that makes you think that the Chiefs are going to run the table and win the freaking AFC for the third straight year because Steve Spagnuolo does it. He, he, he just something about the middle of the season, their defense just turns it on, and they go. The issue, I think, this year is that their offense – hasn't turned it on. So, interesting thing to watch down the stretch, especially what we have, you know, coming in in two weeks on Thursday Night Football, which we'll talk about at the end of the show, the Chiefs Chargers. So, yeah, defensively, I'm going with Dirty Dan, Daniel Sorensen, two tackles, two solos, pass selection, 75-yard pick six. His fourth career pick six Chiefs minus eight and a half covered under 46 and a half all right college news here let's go roll through are you ready 
I don't think so. Guess what? During the show, they announced the four Heisman finalists for this year. They are Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud, Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett, and Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson. So, Bryce Young is going to win that. No. Kenny Pickett's going to win it. You got to believe, Mark. You got to believe. I wish. I wish. <laughs> Maybe the more popular person. There is a fan vote. Did you know that, Mark? There is a fan vote that is put there into There is the... a fan vote that got circulating. It actually makes me, I, I don't know what's a good word, chuckle or or whatever. Everybody was trying to get Jordan Davis on that. And then after that Bama game, um, he's nowhere to be heard of. It is included. It is included in the Heisman calculations of who wins. So I'm just saying. We can get enough people on, on Kenny Pickett, you know. Let's make let's, it count. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Um, Alabama, though, wide receiver John Mechie, like I said, he's going to miss the college football playoff. Done for the year, ACL tear. I told everyone at the bar right away. I, I knew. It was, I looked at my wife and said, ACL. Yeah, isn't planning and going down. It's easy call. I mean. When I remember ACLs in, in in my high school college career, I I don't know why, but I I think of impact injuries. Now it's it's planning. It's it's no one's guarding you. You you something happened with the UConn great guard Buchers. I hope she's okay. I haven't heard. She was just dribbling up the court and fell over. Mm-hmm. It's all non. People aren't even around you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get to coaches here. Coaching carousel for college. Uh, Ole Miss, they signed head coach Lane Kiffin to a new contract. I didn't hear anything about the details of it, but he is staying in Oxford for the foreseeable future. Uh, Just today, Miami, they have fired head coach Manny Diaz, and right away they they had their new coach, just like that. Uh, It is Oregon head coach Mario Cristobal will be taking over for the Hurricanes. It's his dream job. That's why he took it. That's why he wants to leave Oregon. He had to leave Oregon. So, a, a, a lot of that, like you said, it's his dream job. He's from Miami, played there on two national championships, assistant coach. What people don't also know is his mom is going through chemotherapy. She lives in Miami. It's closer. From what I know, it was never about money to take this job. It was mm-hmm. also being closer to his mom. This is the one job that I don't like the optics because someone reported on this before it happened and Diaz was recruiting and he made a statement like, what, what's going on? This could be news to me. With that said, I don't think Diaz is going to get himself a head coaching job unless he goes lower, but he's been known as a good DC and guess what? DC is open in the ACC. I think it would be a good fit for Clemson. Yeah. Well, if, if they are looking, um, you know, the, the Florida head coach, Louisiana's open right now. So, uh, all right. The Oklahoma, you kind of mentioned it. Uh, they have their new head coach, 
It is Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables. Long time Clemson DC. Uh, highest paid DC for I don't even know how many years. But uh, finally taking a head coaching job elsewhere away from Dabo. Um, maybe it was because Brent saw how crappy the quarterback play was and said, well, I don't think we're going to win an a- another national title anytime soon, so I might as well jump ship while I can. And uh, I I thought that too, and but I didn't realize that he was the D.C. coordinator from 04 to 11 at Oklahoma. So there's okay. – I think some of these – some of these that I've dug into the coaching carousel is there some familiarity, mm-hmm. and I think Oklahoma coming to the SEC. I I don't know if it's right or wrong. Lincoln could have done a different dynamic to the SEC where it's all about quarterback play and a bunch of offense, but I think Oklahoma did the right thing going to get a defensive guru. Why they come to the SEC? Yeah, I think it's intriguing. You know, it, it's gonna you're gonna have to see who he gets for his offensive staff because they do have an offensive issue, like we saw. Um, quarterback issue specifically is Caleb Williams the guy? Is he not? Uh, what other guys did they lose when Lincoln left, uh, recruiting wise? And uh, I think another big thing, you know, that was made it easier for them to hire Venables was the fact that Lincoln took Alex Grinch with him. Uh, the Oklahoma defensive coordinator. So, uh, Colorado State, they have their new head coach. It is Nevada head coach Jay Norvell, which was weird. Uh, I agree with my boy Troy Hermo. He said, this is an upgrade? You know, it's you're, you're staying in conference for one, which is weird. And for Two, I I just don't. I I I don't understand the move for Norvell to go to Colorado State. I I like I said, I tried to dig deep into some of these. I didn't have a chance on this one, but I tried to peek at it, and I don't I don't see the ties that you have as as being the GA or an assistant coach. Did they give him a better deal, or does he think there's better recruiting? I. This is the one I don't understand either. So I agree with you and your friend. I mean, the. I guess the only thing I could see recruiting-wise, you know, for one, Colorado's not a football state necessarily, but he does get closer to the Dakotas. Uh, there's a lot of good players up there. That, you know, if they're looking at the transfer portal and guys coming from South Dakota State or North Dakota State or even the other South Dakota, you know, University of South Dakota, University of North Dakota, uh, that would be the only thing I could see. (laughs) But, again, I don't think Colorado specifically, you know, is that great, that rich with football talent. So, granted... You had Philip Lindsay come out of Northern Colorado, so um, a couple of updates on some of the other open head coaching jobs. Uh, Duke Cowboys senior defensive assistant George Edwards has emerged as a candidate for their position, open head coaching position. 
Um, and then for the Virginia job, Penn State co-defensive coordinator Anthony Poindexter is also emerged as a candidate for that job as well. Please don't leave, Anthony. We, <laughs> we already lost a defensive coach. We don't need another one gone. <laughs> well, uh, in, in talking about this NCAA news, just take 30 seconds or a minute. All these contracts, think of it. Kelly going down LSU. If people say, why, why would Kelly leave Notre Dame what he's built? People don't understand that it's so hard to get into Notre Dame. Like, he's recruited really well at Notre Dame. But the, the entrance exams and, and things to be a football player at Notre Dame pales in comparison at LSU, and they have numerous resources, and every coach has won at least one championship, right? Even Ogeron, but he got fired. And so if Kelly can win a championship, get fired, that's probably what he wants on his resume. Yeah. Look at You look at all this, and it's going to make, in my opinion, the Power Fives are only going to get richer. In my opinion, Franklin's uh, contract at Penn State is now a bargain when you look at Kelly's and Kiffin's is probably going to be on the same stature as Kirby, and Kirby's won uh, one, at least one SEC championship in that side of the SEC numerous times. And you have all this, and so the, in my opinion, the rich is only going to get richer with all this influx. And I think Riley's going to own the Pac-12 now. Chris Paul's going to be gone. Um, Washington's a new coach. I, I think he made a good move going to USC where – Two weeks ago, it might have looked weird leaving Oklahoma. Right. All right, NFL news here. Starting off, salary cap for 2022 expected to reach the maximum of $208.2 million. Uh, massive jump up from $182.5 million this year. So should see dollars flying everywhere in March this year. Uh will make it very intriguing for teams that have saved salary cap. Uh, I don't know exactly what the, the numbers are for all the teams right now, but, um, you know, it's always fun when you get those teams with a lot of money, like the Patriots had this year. Uh, the Colts didn't do much with their salary cap space that they had, but, um, yeah. Uh, let's see. The next thing here, Panthers. Weird move. I texted y'all on yesterday, and I was like, I have no idea what the Panthers are doing. Chris is like, what do you mean the Panthers aren't playing? <laughs> I was like, yeah, but they just fired offensive coordinator Joe Brady. Uh, senior offensive assistant Jeff Nixon will be the interim offensive coordinator, along with help from the other offensive staff. It just again, I, I don't know what they're doing. It, I didn't. It didn't make sense to me. I'm not. So I think Chris sent the text that said that Joe Brady wasn't the the, the problem, and I agree to him with him to some extent. Whether that extent is eighty percent, seventy five, I wouldn't put it over eighty. I told you guys last year when Bridgewater left the Panthers, he said we never did. We, we spent the least amount of time on a two-minute drill that I've ever spent in the NFL, mm -hmm. whether that's Saints or Vikings. 
and we never did fourth down in the red zone. And whether that was they were going to kick a field goal or they didn't practice it. But I thought it was a big jump for for Joe Brady when he had a great season under a Heisman Trophy quarterback. But he, if you look at his resume, he had no other like eye popping resume, and you got him you got him hired, and you're coming from Baylor, and you turned around Baylor, and you and I agreed that I thought Matt Rule was was awesome last year, and he was to a certain extent this year. Then they hit a, a rut. So I look at it twofold. Was was Joe Brady the problem? Probably not because it's going to be the head coach that's going to take the fall. However, I think he's doing something to save his job. I think David Tipper is ready to fire him if he doesn't turn this around. Mm-hmm. And, and I just – I don't think Joe Brady was ready for an OC job. I think he would have been a really good – quarterbacks coach and co-offensive coordinator in the NFL to learn more about the game. Yeah, I don't know. I I was excited about him. You know, I thought he had spent the years under Sean Payton as well in New Orleans before. So he already had NFL experience and I again, I agree with Chris. I just I didn't see any problems with the Panthers necessarily. Yes, their offense has been iffy. Uh, but is that the offensive coordinator's fault? Maybe. I just don't, you know, Sam Darnold started off hot and then he went down. You know, I think Cam has kind of been the same way. Started off hot that first game against the Cardinals and, and then. You know, the last two games haven't been that great. So, I, I, is it the I offensive coordinator well, or is the quarterback play? I, I, I agree. It's a quarterback play. I think that's the the conundrum. It's almost like a Georgia conundrum. You and I can agree with that and attest to it as two fans. I also read some articles leading up to to our podcast because I knew we were going to talk about this, and it was. One thing that I look back at is Matt Rule, after every loss, says the same thing. We didn't commit to the run enough. We didn't commit to the run enough. We're going to commit to it next weekend. But you don't, you don't, you don't have Christian McCafferty, yeah. right? And so how are you going to commit to it? Are you going to put someone out in the slot the way you do with him? So you don't have, in my opinion, you've built your offense around one player, and it's not Joe, Joe Brady's fault. But it's also I, – I don't think the Panthers have had a great cor- uh, offensive coordinator. I think when Cam was in his prime, people was were so excited about Norv Turner. And I was like, if you look at Norv Turner and what he did to San Diego, he ran LaDainian Thompson to the, into the ground, and he didn't um, – what, what's a good word? Um, mature in the NFL game. Everybody knew what was coming. And he didn't live very long, and so I think it's a balancing act. I don't, I don't agree that it it was Joe Brady. I do think it's a quarterback issue. Um, moving on to Big Ben, his comments this week, uh, telling some teammates privately and some people within the organization this is his 
He expects it to be his last season. Um, I got a little irked. People were making a big deal about it that he said that he expects it to be his last season with the Steelers. I, I'm not reading into that. Ben Rossberger will never play for anyone other than the Pittsburgh Steelers. I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believe that. And I don't, you know, you can say, well, you know, everyone always thought Tom was never going to lead New England, but here he is. But Ben's not Tom. Ben's taken a lot of hits over his career, especially early in his career. And I don't, you can see the physical decline. And I, I just don't think, I think he is ready mentally to hang it up and uh, to go out this one last time this year. So, I, I mean, I have to agree with you with that. And to me, the Steelers are the epitome of, I've said it on this show multiple times, whether they gave Bill Cowher 19 years to win a Super Bowl or, or whatnot. I, <clears throat> they, know how, they know how to handle their, their personnel. Mm-hmm. And I think the media has to run with things and, and, and read between the lines of what is said and what's put out. And what you said is 100%. Tom Brady didn't get hit half the times. Ben Roethlisberger has. Uh, let's see. Saints wide receiver Deontay Harris, he has officially been suspended for the next three weeks from his DUI arrest this summer. Um, knew it was coming. I believe he is appealing, or if this was the result of his appeal, I don't recall which one it is but he will be out the next three weeks uh let's see covid list packers placed quarterback jordan love on the list uh charger doing the same with wide receiver keenan allen and the saints doing the same with defensive end cameron jordan will be interesting to look at the jordan love thing because which i I'm sure they would have said something by now on social media of whether Aaron Rodgers was considered a close contact or not. Um, but that's the thing that I would look at with that situation, <laughs> you know, considering what you had everything with, with the Rodgers situation earlier. So, um, IR, Niners placing rookie running back Trey Sermon on IR. Texans placed wide receiver Danny Amendola on IR. Uh, Titans, they are getting back. They designated wide receiver Julio Jones to return off of IR. And the Falcons did the same with tight end Hayden Hurst coming back from IR as well. Injury-wise here, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow said that he does not expect to miss any time with uh, his dislocated pinky that he suffered over... Uh, during the Chargers game, so look for Burrow to continue playing. Uh, also with the Bengals linebacker Logan Wilson, he has a dislocated shoulder. He's going to miss a couple games there. Texans quarterback Tyrod Taylor, 
He is week to week. He has torn ligaments in his uh, left wrist. So look for rookie quarterback Davis Mills to start once again, just like he did last time Taylor was injured there. Uh, the, let's see what else we got. Ravens, seventh player, seventh starter this year going down with a season-ending injury. It is corner Marlon Humphrey out for the year. Torn Peck there. Uh, good news for Washington football team. We talked about him before, but tight end Logan Thomas, MRI today showing that he, he did not, they believe he did not suffer a torn ACL like they initially feared. Uh, so, That's huge. So he could possibly return this year, especially with Washington uh, currently in the playoffs at the number six seed. So, uh, Raiders, running back Kenyon Drake, talked about him as well. Fractured ankle, he is done for the year. Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen, he has a high ankle sprain. Uh, gonna be tough to to play this week, considering they play on Thursday night. Uh, so more more than likely, we won't see Adam Thielen until week fifteen. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. I have no idea what the Giants are doing at quarterback right now. We know Daniel Jones is uh, was he week to week or day to day? I don't remember. I think it was day to day, right, with his neck strain. Uh, so. We'll have to see what his status is going into this week. Uh, but his backup, who started the game against Miami this week, Mike Glennon, he is in concussion protocol. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure who the third guy is in New York right now uh, without looking. So, yeah, it'd be interesting if the Giants go into next week having to play their third-string quarterback. Well, I guess there's our lock pick next week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're heading to LA to play the Chargers. Gosh. Um. And it looks like. Oh, I forgot. I forgot who their third guy was. You know. You know Dino? who their third guy is. Another New York? It's our boy. Our boy, Jake Fromm. I forgot the Giants signed him off the Bills practice squad. What? Oh, I didn't even not. I did not know that. Yeah, he was the backup to Mike Glennon this week. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's see him play against the Chargers next week. <laughs> so, let's go. SoFi Stadium, baby. Uh, also in concussion protocol, Niners running back Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Jets wide receiver Corey Davis he is done for the year he, he's going to have core muscle surgery um, and then some transactions here Falcons they waived punter Dustin Colquitt to make room for Hayden Hurst coming off IR and then the Jets <laughs> signing their fourth oh, is it, I think it's their fourth Maybe, might be their fifth kicker uh, Eddie Pinheiro signed to the active roster <laughs> after uh Alex Kessman missed two extra points this week. So, yeah. Trying to get the kicker position figured out for the Jets somehow. <laughs> All right, let's preview some games here. 
we got the pick standings. We all went 2-0 and last week, picked the Cowboys on Thursday night, uh, and picked the... Uh, Washington football team. We all picked them on Monday night as well. So, y'all are still two ahead. It's fine. You know why? Because we're going to get Chris tonight, Mark. You and I, we're going to beat Chris tonight. Patriots at the Bills starting soon. Chris is lone wolfing New England. I could. In Buffalo. This is a... This is a big one, and I'm glad we're on the same train. And I'm not even going to use statistics or who's a better coach or better player. You know why I picked the Bills? I just want them to win that bad, and maybe that makes us lose. This is true. Yes, uh, I agree. But also, um, like I said, it's in Buffalo. That's number two. And for three, Mac Jones tweeted out. I don't know if you saw that. He says he had never, he has never seen snow. You know, went to Alabama. I don't know where he's from originally. Uh, Florida. Florida. So, makes sense. Has never seen snow. He didn't play. He hasn't played in a in a snow game in New England yet because they haven't had any. So, the wind. You know, obviously we're not watching pregame. I don't know if you are, if you got your TV on or not, but. I've seen some shots of the wind <laughs> at the Bills Stadium, and apparently the the over under just keeps declining. <laughs> they said from start from opening to wherever it is right now, they said it, it has dropped by at least six points. Has the over under? <laughs> so <laughs> that is ridiculous, uh, <laughs> and apparently it's going to be very hard to kick and throw in this game tonight. Uh, I'm not afraid, though. I I took, in my same-game parlay, I have Cole Beasley to get over, uh, or to get 32 or more yards receiving. I have Stephon Diggs to catch a touchdown and get five receptions or more. So I'm not afraid of it. Josh Allen has one of the strongest arms in the NFL. He'll be able to throw through that, uh, regardless of how windy it is. I, I would share a stat. But I think it would jinx the game. But if you go look up Josh Allen's Monday night stats, it's one of the best in the last decade. All right. I like it. I like it. And you know what I also like? I'm just, you know, divulging all my bets. We know they don't hit anyways, so it's fine. I can tell people. (laughs) Um, You know, give me Josh Allen first touchdown. He's actually the favorite. To score the first touchdown, uh, plus seven fifty. Uh, so that's ten dollars to win seventy five. I'll take. I think I, he, I'm not betting, but I'll take Stefan Diggs. Well, I was thinking about it. He's plus nine hundred. He's the third favorite. The second is Damian Harris. But no, I like Josh Allen first touchdown score. Uh, I think they're gonna get into the red zone, and. Uh, they're going to call QB draw or something like that. Or he's just going to run, scramble around and run, even against the vaunted Patriots defense. I I think Josh I Allen's think, legs are going to be a big factor in this game. So That's what I was about to say, so I agree. 
All right, let's go to Thursday night. This one we are all in lockstep. I was no one wanted to take the Vikes. Uh, Chris said it was really hard to pick. I don't know if that's how you felt or not, but I didn't have that. Yeah, the, the the question that I uh, I I think I posed it more of the question because at first I forgot who the Steelers were playing. I said Steelers and who, and you said okay Steelers, <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, who is playing the Steelers? And it's not off of it's not. It has nothing to do with the Lions just winning. We talked about the Vikings um, playing all their games, but one with a one-score game. And I like the Steelers in a closer game. If the Vikings win, is there some sort of home field advantage? No. Maybe. Wow. The Steelers are the best traveling fan base in the NFL. <laughs> My big thing is, is is Griffin going to play? And if he's not, I'm riding with T.J. Watt. Oh, yeah. I, I really do think T.J. Watt can, can win. I think he affected the whole entire Baltimore game. And if he knows that he has to do that each week and he's healthy, I think the Steelers are a really good team. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. Look what the Lions did this week with their pass rush, which has been anemic this whole season. Uh, but you know, like uh, the my defensive player of the game for that game, Charles Harris had two sacks and two QB hits. So, um, I think that's gonna be if, a big uh, factor. Their offensive line's a little bit beat up. Might not, probably won't have Adam Thielen. So, you know, even against a Steelers secondary that hasn't been the greatest without Joe Hayden in the lineup, uh, which I'd look to see what his status is going into that game because I think he's close to getting back. I, I would I almost I really did I didn't know your guys' pick I didn't ask sometimes I do I thought maybe Jefferson and I don't believe in your guys' secondary does does Kirk Cousins come out and throw for three eighty nine four hundred yards with Jefferson eating up two hundred yards of that but how often do you see that in a football game now since we're all on the Steelers watch the Vikings just run away with this game. <laughs> Mark my words if we talk about it Friday. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings win, but, yeah, I just, I think the Steelers are, are in it now. They, they got a massive, potentially season-saving, much-needed win. And, again, I, I just would plead to Matt Canada... And the young offensive line, you have to give Najee 20 carries a game. You know, they don't have a, an offensive line like the Colts do, but I like looking at and comparing the Colts to the Steelers, considering their records are almost the same. And when you look at it, how are the offenses different? other than Carson Wentz is a lot more mobile than Big Ben. But the Colts don't want to don't want Carson Wentz throwing the ball 30 times a game. And as a Steelers fan, I don't want Big Ben throwing the ball 30 times a game even though I know he can do that. That's nice to have in your back pocket, but I don't want my 39-year-old quarterback <laughs> throwing the ball 30 times a game. That's, that makes sense. And that possibly sense. getting injured again, you know, and then we're in the situation where it's just crap quarterback play with Mason Rudolph. 
or Dwayne Haskins, whichever one they want to put out there. So, again, I, I would try to lean on Najee, and they haven't been doing that, and it's – I'm not – It's like it's, it's almost like – it's like when you look at the Georgia-Florida – or Georgia-Alabama game. You don't want Stetson Bennett to throw 48 times. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, we're all in all in Pittsburgh. Let's get it done. Let's uh, move to within a half a game of the AFC North lead if the Ravens lose and the Bengals lose. Then the Steelers would be in second place at 7-5-1. and one. Um, And looking good. They would be looking very good. Um considering, you know, the Ravens play the Browns. They're in Cleveland this week. I'm rooting for the Browns, not just because I want them to beat the Ravens, but because I have uh, a wager that has the Browns included in it for the Chiefs, Browns, Bucks, and I forget who the fourth one is. I think it might be the Cowboys to make the playoffs. All four of them have to make the playoffs for that to hit. It might be the Cowboys. It might be someone else. Oh, no, it's the the Bills, I believe. Bills, Chiefs, Bucks, Browns. All to make the playoffs. I think that's what it is. So, I, I need I need help from you, Browns, because you're, you're at the bottom of the division right now. Six and six is not in the playoffs. Right now. Yeah, they are... They are 11th in the playoff standings. One game out after the Chargers and Bengals. So. One game's nothing. Five games left. So. Alright, next week we'll be back. Uh, Massive... Monday nighter next week. Rams Monday, win, Monday. Rams win, man. They're a game out, and it's both, on. Both of these, both of these games are big. Yeah, Rams win though. They're a game out, and it is on in the NFC West. Uh, and then yeah, Thursday night game for the division lead, more than likely. Uh, you know, Chargers are one game back right now. Chiefs play the Raiders, so. By the time the Chiefs go to L.A., that'll be their third straight division game. You know, is that tough? Heck yeah. And the Chargers, like we said, host the Giants, so I, I don't think that they won't win. But the Chiefs, well, I think, Chiefs... both, I think both of these teams win. I, the our Chiefs are going to be especially a harder game, but th- these are fun matchups. I can't wait for what we have to preview next week. And, I mean, the Chiefs are also at home against the Raiders. But they're looking to get revenge. You know, I know. They I know. lost They lost the Chargers 30-24 to at Arrowhead earlier in the season. So, that would be massive for the Chargers to win and have a – be tied technically, but have a, essentially a two-game lead on the Chiefs. I tell you what, their, their defense could make Patrick Mahomes a bad day. Yeah, Derwin James playing at all pro level. But uh, 
Yeah, I'm wearing my Michael Victors. This was the jersey that I wore when Gardner Minshew threw all over the Jets. Um, so <laughs> better not take it. Don't take it off. It's going to uh, help you with your finals. But and by the way, shout out to your parents. I wish I was with them. <laughs> In Cabo. Uh, but yeah, thank you all for watching. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. FAAPodcast.com is our website, and you can also check us out here on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. All right, Mark, we'll see you for Football Friday when I have another final on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>